Welcome, Anime Loungers, to another episode of the Anime Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and I'm here with my other host, Matt. Today, we have a co-host, and his name is Tyler. How you doing? Before we get any further, uh, Tyler, how about you uh, share with everybody the anime that got you into anime, and maybe your top three anime on top of that? The one anime that anime that got me into it was probably, got it from my best friend, he uh, got me into Sword Art Online. It was the first one that I watched, it was easy, it was quick. Uh-huh. E- easy to just kind of get into yep. uh my top three probably have to be naruto uh, and then fire force and black clover oh choosing fire force as one of your top favorites it's definitely got me into it and kept me drawn in you oh know, yeah i wish there was more into it right now but it's it's enough to draw me in that's really good i can't wait for the next season to come out yeah we definitely enjoyed covering all of fire force a lot of fun yep it was and he he got immersed into saf with Cowboy. yeah okay uh, before we go any further, we like to start off each episode with our adult beverages of choice. Today we were recording in the morning, so we decided to drink some mimosas. And on the side, I've got some locally distilled uh, rock and rye from downtown Toodaloo. That's a funny name. Um, that's pretty good stuff. It's got like a bite of like orange and whatnot in it, so it's pretty good. What about you, Matt? I am drinking the same thing, but of course I've got a chaser of some spotted cow. Tyler, what about you? I'm drinking some uh, cap. Captain Morgan sliced apple with lemonade with a chaser of a Cider Boy's Raspberry Smash. Interesting. All right. I'm not a, uh, a cider person, so. Not a huge beer drinker, but cider does it. Everybody has their own favorites, so that's fine. That works. Lance, can you give us the synopsis for this episode? Sure. The synopsis for Yu Yu Hakusho is going to follow a 14-year-old boy named Yusuke Yurameshi who gets run over by Truck-kun, one of the very first anime that ended up doing something like this trope. Uh, all to save a boy who kicked a ball into the streets. Uh, Spirit World gives him the opportunity to come back to life, and by doing so, he's got to become the detective of Spirit World. So we get to follow Yusuke in Spirit Detective Cases. As we follow Yusuke's Spirit Cases, uh, it leads us to many different worlds where we learn about demons and whatnot. As we get dragged into other worlds, we get to learn more about Yusuke's past and the group that he follows. There's a lot of fighting that goes on, which keeps everybody interested. And not to give away too much more information, because we'll be breaking down a lot of this. Lance, can you give us that length of lessons for this episode? Today's Lance's Lessons is going to be the Japanese word for detective. Detective's Japanese word is tante. Tante is spelt T-A-N-T-E-I. And that is very fitting for today's episode because detective obviously fits because Yusuke is our spirit detective. Yep. I just need to start writing shit down. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I'll say is this is definitely one of my favorite animes. I've been watching this since I was, oh man, probably like 10, 11 years old when I was on Adult Swim. Probably, yeah. Again, staying up way later than I should have been. Now my parents know if they actually listen to this episode that I was staying up super late. <laughs> and I've been infatuated with this season, with this series ever since I was a kid. It took me a long time to finally finish the ending because, Lance, you remember watching it on Adult Swim and Toonami. Basically, they made it to the Dark Tournament arc and then they always reset it. Yep. Yeah, they would get as far as just before the Tagoro fights. Mm-hmm. 
And then, yeah, restarted from episode one. It was always annoying. I remember very specifically, I was at a family reunion and it was the first time that I saw on TV that they were doing the Tagoro fight and my mind was just blown. I'm supposed to be spending time with a family and here I'm seeing the actual Tagoro fight for the first time. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot stop. I mean, it was like a little marathon too. So it was perfect. And I re-got into it at that point because I've, I've seen it a couple times throughout childhood. Yeah, and I remember. It was just amazing. I remember when I was young, bought the DVDs for the ending of the Dark Tournament so that I could actually watch it. And then I bought the DVD for the ending so I knew how it ended. Oh, did you? Yeah. and But I we're talking, here's five episodes DVD kind of thing where it was. Oh, was this back when they had the, like the single case? CDs, yeah, there's only like three episodes per CD, and each CD costs like well, back then was like four to six dollars or something like that, just for a CD of a couple episodes. Yep, it's fucking crazy. Long time ago, and it was just now I have all the DVDs, and I've watched this on repeat a lot. There, there were times in my one of my old cars, I had a DVD player, and I'd literally go on trips. I just throw the DVDs in because it would give me background noise without having to watch it. I was gonna say, you know, supposedly <laughs> you weren't watching it because that would be. Yeah, that's illegal. illegal of we course. don't watch watch movies and drive, but it was it was there. Yeah, Tyler, how'd you get into this? Uh, I got into it. It's it was interesting. I, I didn't have high hopes. I'm not like a big older anime person. I'm just something about it. I don't know if it's between the animation or like the drawings. Like what pulls me in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started watching it. I didn't have too high hopes, but it drew me in instantly. I, I loved the storyline behind it. I loved the characters behind it, and it just it pulled me in and never stopped watching. I finished it probably faster. The most animes that I've actually watched. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, especially being 112 episodes, it is a little bit of a commitment, but I think Yu Hakusho definitely holds some high ground in terms of like having like zero filler episodes. Yep, zero filler episodes. Acing is good. Everybody always complains the ending is weird, but as we all know, the manga got sick and basically it was like, I'm going to finish this on my terms, and that's how I finished it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I love the I love the ending. It's just the I feel like they could have he could have if he didn't get sick, could compounded on the, or expounded on the Three Kings arc, the, the Demon World arc, mm-hmm. a lot, and then concluded it that way. That would have been great, but I, I don't know. I have no real issues with how that arc went either. No. No issues. Just just longing for more. That's yes. all it really comes down to. Yep. And then those OVAs. Super happy about the OVAs. We will not cover the OVAs in this episode. We're just strictly going to be talking about the main series. Yeah, we've got enough content to cover. Yep. So without further ado, we usually start talking about favorite characters. Matt, do you have a favorite character? Uh, gotta be Yusuke. He's just, he's your main character. Uh, he's the development that he undergoes between being just that street punk, mm-hmm. as they call him in the beginning, to being that person that actually goes to his commitment at the very end and comes back for Keiko. Yep. And then his spirit gun is great. His being a complete smartass, calling Genkai an old tag. Yeah. You get all that seriousness and then you get comedic relief and he fights for and will only fight for the people that he cares about. Yep. That's a big one. I, I think that's super important. It's not the power of friendship that happens. It's, you know, he's doing this because he wants to have a world that's safe for them. What about you, Lane? Yusuke is definitely a tie for my two favorite characters and I would choose the next fan favorite I would believe would be Hiei. And that's just because he's that dark little powerful back-talking guy and I don't know. And I guess what really ultimately comes down to is he's the wielder of the dark dragon yeah so when i saw that the first time i lost my mind 
And, and looking back at it multiple times, or not looking back at it, rewatching this multiple times, seeing the very first dragon, you know, get shot out and hit uh, zero. Yeah. Uh, very underplayed, which is kind of funny because yes, this massive badass dragon obliterating this guy. And then it hits the side wall of the tournament. And then that's what stops the dragon is that wall. It's, it's really funny. I don't think a lot of thought went into that because especially because later on, you know, that any kind of wall doesn't stand a chance against the dragon. It'll just blow through it. So it was just really funny. But the dragon itself was always awesome. And just darkness abilities in general, I always fucking love. Like even like Yomi from uh, Black Clover, his, yeah. his darkness, I just, I, it's always fun about it. He's fast. He's a sword user. Always have fascination with sword users. Uh, that Jagan Eye was always super interesting. And, but the only thing is, I wish... I mean, I, I, I'm all you Yuhakusho fans will know that Hiei was not supposed to be a main character. Yep. And on top of that, his demon form was only supposed to be... It was, because Hiei was a one-off, his demon form was supposed to be a one-off. And I'm sure everybody's on the same page. Everyone wishes that Hiei just had a different demon form because the 100 eyes on your body just isn't as cool <laughs> as the darkness abilities could wield him to be. Yeah, the one Jigan eye would have been just fine for a darkness or for a demon form. Right. They just had to go too far too soon and ruin it for everything. <laughs> but anyway, Tyler, you got a main character that you like a lot? One of my favorites was Hie as well. Uh, I loved his character building, but I'm going to go a little deep here and one of my favorite characters probably Ryzen. The fact that you have a demon king of the demon world, one of the demon kings of the demon world mm-hmm. who literally just changed his entire outlook on life from not eating humans just off meeting one woman. A human who was able to help him save his life and it completely changed his outlook. It's something that I wish there was more of to be able to see Ryzen, but he was only short-lived with him not wanting to eat right. and not being able to see a whole lot during use case training process. Yeah. It's definitely something that I wish would have been around more. Oh, definitely. Especially if he's considered one of the like original two kings because Yomi didn't come in until like 500 years to Ryzen's final breaths, but definitely would have wished to see Ryzen in a more full capacity. I mean, we got to see him blast out a little bit, but like we never got to see any kind of like super signature move or anything like that. And if he's supposed to be so powerful, I would like to see how powerful he really Especially is. Especially the fact that he can keep up with these other to in his weakened state it would have been awesome to see him in a more full powered state of what he mm-hmm. was right yeah because all the other two demon kings didn't become a thing until after Ryzen stopped eating humans oh yeah yeah because it was, they all talk about how a thousand years ago which was when Ryzen stopped eating was when they that power struggle happened okay yeah I guess that makes sense I only really picked up on the, the Yomi 500 year portion of that but Mukuru I guess I didn't pay too close attention to her yeah uh, that's just one of the they don't really explicitly say it but it's just something i inferred about how that power struggle happened okay i guess that makes sense though yeah he was a badass yeah the fact that him and his weakened stake keep up with two people in their prime and at their strongest and kept them at a stalemate and they were just waiting for him to die to be able to do anything right just goes to show what prowess he had over the area and it would have been awesome to see him at full power. But then right. you also see his friends who were, at least at the time, probably close to as strong as him. Yep. And then didn't, they just kind of went into seclusion, and that's why they weren't around. Yeah, because they all powered up. I mean, I guess we can get to that point later on yep. in our conversation, but um, we were figuring for today's conversation, we'd probably start from the beginning all the way back in the Spirit Detective saga. Well, I, I do have one question before we get started, kind of talking about all our sagas and everything, just kind of because this is a hundred. 12 episodes gonna break it down a little bit more just so we can kind of chronologically work through it but does anybody have a favorite villain Ooh, a favorite villain because we honestly we have 
he fights a lot of people. We have a lot of villains. Is there a favorite you guys think of? Uh, you got one off the bat? Sensei. Sensei? Yep. He's a good one. Beyond the Dark Tournament arc, when I was rewatching it, like, really breaking it down between all the arcs and everything, the Chapter Black slash, slash Sensui arc is my favorite. My second favorite behind the Dark Tournament arc. Okay. I know a lot of people, compl- well, they complain more about the Dark Tournament arc, but they, I've seen some people complain about the Sensui arc as well, saying, like, it kind of, kind of felt rushed. And just, like, there was more to it where he just kind of fought, and then Ryzen takes over Yusuke and then kills Sensui, and it's like, well, that was anticlimactic. A little bit, but it was still awesome. Yep. I remember my first time watching it, I was just so dove into it, like, I could not keep my eyes off it. Yep. Even though that was technically maybe a little anticlimactic, mm-hmm. I, I still thought it was awesome, I still loved every moment of it. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely my favorite villain. The, like, it's kind of one of those things where it really makes you think, because everything is in gray. There's no black and white, and Sensui kind of saw everything in black and white, even though when he essentially switched to being a villain, he still saw everything in black and white. Mm-hmm. Like, not, life isn't just black and white. There's no, everybody's good, everybody's evil in life, and I just thought it was, it was great to see, and get drawn out in the anime style. It was really good to see. Uh, what about you guys? Tyler, do you have a I was going to agree with Sensui as well. Just being able to kind of see how he was a spirit detective and he was for eliminating demons, trying to keep the human world safe. But then that massive flip up he had when he realized just how bad humans were themselves. Yep. And his goal at the end, even after the Chapter Black saga, never changed. It was always to make the world peaceful. It's just this time it wasn't the demons that were the ones who were corrupting. Yeah, that's a good point. Fair. What about you, Lance? My favorite character might throw some people off would be Rando from okay. from the Genkai area. Yeah, Rando always stayed in my mind because he was what master of ninety nine techniques, and he was taken out so early. Yeah, Rando is definitely one of those characters I wish that they would have like accidentally brought back or something and like showed more of his techniques because someone who was supposed to be so goddamn powerful was taken out you know on a whim accidentally I would have liked to see more out of him. You know, we can say that about so many more characters in this show. <laughs> but someone, you know, he, he's he got, you know, those tattoos yeah. on his body. He's got that long hair. You know, a lot of, like, Kurama and Mazako Yusuke vibes going on right there. But, so yeah, I, I just always wanted to see more out of Rando. Yep. But that's definitely something I can agree on because Rando got beaten in a way by something so off guard that it's not something you would have expected. Right. But at the same time, I wish it would have been drawn out a little bit more to he's killed 99 psychics. He's one of the most feared demons because of that. And then he ends up losing to a flaw. Yep. So he, lost, he lost because of a technicality. Yep. Ex- exactly. I wish there was a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, regardless, I still enjoyed the fight and it was still a good. But I think I honestly. I think that was a good way for Yusuke to win instead of just being like, oh, Yusuke, especially in the beginning, Yusuke had zero spiritual ability and he wins on a technicality and I'm perfectly fine with that because there's so many times where in the beginning of series, it's like they give too strong of a villain and then they're like, well, fuck, now we need to figure out a way for the main character to either win now or it's like, well, you're not strong enough right now, so I'm just going to fight you in two arcs and then I'm going to lose to you kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, I thought it was a great way for him to, to win without actually needing to give him some stupid power up for no real reason just to win right because i like the way that they for the most part i like the way that yusuke slowly grew because you can't expect him you know like they were saying in the series it's a spiritual muscle and it has to grow yep. and it was still very early in the series and then he was still struggling with shooting one spirit gun a day 
And I really appreciated at that moment when they were in that, uh, what that cemetery, that graveyard, not necessarily in those exact sense, but like where all those dead people where the war was, where people can regain their spiritual energy a lot quicker. He was still not able to regenerate it that fast, but he was still doing it slightly. Yeah. So I like that they, you know, used that. But that's the one thing I also liked with it. Like he didn't just jump in power randomly. He had to go through his training, which at times there were six months, I think, when he, at the end, he was in there for a year training. And it definitely makes sense with constant training, harsh, vigorous training, especially Mm -hmm. under Genkai, to be able to get to where he was. I'm going to kind of say this because it touches on every single saga. I wish there was a little bit more on his training and how it went. It did touch a little bit on how the Genkai training went, but not so much later as it went on. That's, that's more of a me personal thing. I kind of like seeing that, seeing the struggle that he goes through to be able to to get the mm-hmm. benefit and reap the rewards at the end. I think that's a very, it's an older style of manga that a lot, you see it quite often, like if you think about Dragon Ball Z, you see a little bit of training and then it's like, all right, now we're in this next battle and now I have these moves kind of thing. Where it's very, you see it a lot in older anime because like in Inuyasha where they're fighting, well now uh, Inuyasha has a new ability and he's like, when did this happen? All right, I guess this is, this is what's going on. And it's just something I feel like that was just the preference in which they did things. I know there were a lot of long-running series back then, but it probably just made it so that you could keep the series going without having to make it, like, Bleach, where it's 600 chapters, or kind of some of those things, where it's like, some, not everybody wanted to see every single training event. Right. Maybe I can throw in a little bit of help towards our writer. I think this was his first, like, fighting-style anime. I think what he was doing before was a little bit of romance, whatever. But, you know, for someone being so new into the series, you have all these ideas. And this is just a nice, convenient way to do a a time skip. Introduce a little bit here and there of how we, you know, trained. Of course, we saw through the anime with balancing on his finger and climbing up mountains, I think. A quick little montage is just a convenient shortcut, so can't give him too much blame, but it would be nice to see actual struggles and whatnot. Yeah, that would have been, like, one nice thing. That's that's one thing I liked about, like, the the Spirit Detective saga is it did do flashbacks on how his training was with Genkai, Mm -hmm. and I kind of wish it did touch a little bit out of that during the Three Kings, so we could have seen how it was with his father, his training, and... Especially just kind of honestly seeing his dad kick his ass trying to get him to learn and get strong. Yeah, especially since he was doing it basically once a month that they said. Yeah. But even in the manga, it was the same thing. Like how Yusuke would train for a while, get his ass kicked. I think you see it twice with Yusuke getting his ass kicked and the second time was when Ryzen dies. So it's not like the anime gave you more. No, it gave you the same amount. So there's no added information in the manga that you didn't see in the anime. Yeah, and I I agree with with what you said, Matt, with... You can't incorporate every training aspect to it because then it's going to be like Naruto. There's 700 some episodes, you got 300 of it filler. <laughs> a lot of that filler being the training. Yeah. So I get it. It would just be nice, like in the later, just have a little bit of flashbacks of how training went. Yeah. It, it's just something that it, it shows what built him into who he is now and what led him to become who he is. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of, do we want to keep going with that spirit detective arc, where we just any? What was your most, I guess, most memorable part of the first series or first saga? First saga. All right. So, if we're gonna talk about the spirit detective saga, we're gonna talk about this will encompass everything between uh, Yusuke dying from Truckoon, well, in this case, Carcoon. So, episode one up to the start of the Dark Tournament. Yeah, so just it'll be, just before. be the end of the spirit uh, same piece, right? Yeah. No, it'll be after Suguro. T- 
tell Turukane. Well, he kills Turukane, but after he tells Yusuke about the Dark Tournament. So after that episode, basically the boat scene forward is the Dark Tournament saga. Okay. Right. So there's quite a bit that happens in the Spirit Detective saga. Yeah, there's a lot. So I think one of the first things that came to my mind right now is going to be when Yusuke threw his spirit egg to save Keiko in the fire. When that random guy set Yusuke's house on fire and Yusuke's semi-dead body was still in there and... Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, you know, fire was engulfing the house and Keiko ran inside to save Yusuke, but the fire was going to take them both out. And Yusuke had the opportunity to either throw his spirit egg into the fire, giving up on his chance to come back to life or essentially both of them dying anyway. So of course it was kind of an easy decision anyway, but just the fact that he gave up his chance to live to let Keiko live, that always stuck with me. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, because it was either you choose to live or throw your spirit egg, save her. But you're also risking the chance that your your wavelength isn't going to match for what I think it was like over like a hundred years or something like that. It fifty years, fifty years. It wasn't going yeah. to match for like another fifty years. So you're risking just not coming back at all. But you're also saving the girl you care for and alternatively yourself as well. Yep. So I like that. Tyler, do you have a most memorable arc or the most, moment? Most memorable to me was kind of like when Kuwabara used his energy sword or his spirit sword as a vault to not die during the scene. Like the same beasts in the lava. Like, I wasn't ex- exactly when he uh-huh. was trying to get out of the lava. It, 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 it kind of like threw me off because I wasn't <laughs> expecting him to be that kind of person who could just like pull something out to be able to save himself. Yeah, yep. but he did, and it just worked. And I, it was like one of the moments. I'm like, all right, that was pretty awesome because I didn't expect something from Kubar like that. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he was always this loudmouth. I'm, I'm tougher than you kind of thing. But then, yeah, we got to see his, you know, his sword get longer technique, and then pull Volta's way. Because just to bring everyone back into the scene he's fighting Byakuya in the lava area and he's got all these stone platforms that he can jump between and eventually Byakuya shoots out his uh what these echo blasts of some sorts I forgot exactly like what he called roar. them yeah this roar so he's destroying all these platforms and eventually Kubara runs out of platforms to jump onto and he makes one last spring towards Byakuya of course doesn't make it but then we see that he has sword get longer and he pulled holds his way and attacks Byakuya, pushing him into the lava. So that was that was awesome scene. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. That was memorable. Another memorable one just from the Byakuya fight is the um, energy donut. Mm-hmm. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was definitely funny. When he linked his beasts around the tower. Yep. It was perfect. It's, it's just quick thinking from someone that you would think wouldn't have that kind of thought process. Yep. I think the funny part about that is we got to see sword go through a mouth and out the butt. <laughs> <laughs> The human centipede before that was a thing. Yeah, right. So if our viewers or if our listeners want a quick recap on that one, I can tell you. <laughs> so same fight, just a little bit earlier. So Kuwabara is still fighting Byakuya. And Byakuya starts pulling out these hairs out of his head. And these hairs start turning into mini demon beast things that Kuwabara has to start fighting. And these beasts start kicking his ass. And Kuwabara really doesn't know what to do. So what he ends up doing is he starts running back to his team. And when he's running back to his team, he's, he's running along a very narrow uh, bridge. Stone bridge. And he figures that's a perfect opportunity to send his sword get longer technique through each individual beast. And eventually runs around this little tower. And then as... Those beasts are chasing Kuwabara. He finds the end of the sword and he basically combines his sword into one giant circle and traps all the beasts in 
in the spirit donut. And that's how that one worked. As far as me, I'd say I did have a few. Always got to pick the truck coon because that was the first time you had seen that. So it wasn't overplayed at that point. Right. I think one, just to kind of go go a little different, one of the other memorable parts is the wake for Yusuke. It finally clicks that he has people that actually care about him. And oh, when he was floating around and, and his yeah. ghost? Yeah, when he was that ghost and he observes his wake. So we're talking, I think it was like episode three, two, two or three, something like that. One of the first ones. Yeah, I was really real soon. Because that was when Botan was giving him a little, well, see if you want to do this mm-hmm. kind of option. And mm-hmm. that's when he went to his wake to actually see people caring for him. Yep. Because up till then, he, he just kind of lived his life as if nobody gave a fuck about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was kind of impactful because you start seeing that, that switch flick in use case. It's like, oh man, I, maybe I need to start actually caring about more than just myself. Right. I, yeah, because that was a little emotional, like mainly because I, I love the series so much. But like when, you know, just such a sad moment when everybody is crying, even though he's supposed to be this badass that no one likes. You know, Kuwabara, oddly enough, you know, complaining and crying that he'll never have be able to fight him again yeah that stupidly got to me <laughs> sad moments like that are always good yeah because you just see kuwabara's random like street thug wanting to just kind of pick fights but then you see that little bit of emotional side to him and why he needs yusuke around because it's not just about fighting right so one thing in the manga that i wasn't planning on covering is you see a little montage towards the end uh before yusuke dies officially dies fighting sensui and Kuwabara's goal was to get Yusuke to know who he was. When they oh, were. yeah. And then I'd say the other part that I really like is when Kuwabara, he falls for Botan the first time he sees her and basically tries to confess his love for her. And then after he sees Yukina as a prisoner in the movie, he just falls head over heels over her. And it's just kind of like, well, I guess you were nothing important, Botan. Just fast to throw her away <laughs> faster than he loved her. Right? But also, speaking of like the Turukane compound at the end, that another like good scene to me was when Yusuke and Kuwabara were working together to well beat the Tagoro brothers. When they used the combined energy between his spirit gun and his spirit sword and launched them at him to essentially stab and well, kill Taguro. Yep. It, just the amount of teamwork that was able to work on the fly and the fact that Kubara trusted him enough to literally shoot him in the back with his spirit gun to be able to essentially win the fight hoping that it would work. Mm-hmm. It was another, it was probably between those two were my like, that was a fucking awesome scene. Like, yep. just, just a quick team, like the quick trust and teamwork to be able to try to get what you needed to get done oh yeah yeah that whole little arc was really great between teamwork because they worked together in sync at all times like when they were double spirit kicking what what was his name goku whatever the guy with the club who grabbed botan and whatnot give me one second i will find him i'm trying to i'm trying to remember no goki was the you're talking first we're not talking about the rock guy right no no that's getting goki was the first demon that we ran into. So that was in the triad, wasn't it? No, that was in the artifacts arc. That was the Oh, that was the big guy with the who had the orb. Yep. Lance has all the Yu Yu Hakusho cards, so that's going to be a great, it's a great reference point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need Google. I got all the cards right here. We've already used it once today. So. Right. It's already separated by Saga and works out perfectly. Yeah, oddly enough, uh, I'm pretty sure like his full name had Goku somewhere in it, but the Demon Triad, he's the only card I don't have. of. Because <laughs> that was triad. the third one you ended up seeing in the fight, right? Yeah, the, uh, I think it was the final. The guy in the hallway? Yeah, that was the final one. 
Okay, I will find it. Just give me a second. Awesome content going on right now. Yep. And Maki was the super fast demon, and then Miyuki was the first one. Yep. So I was right about the Goku part. I just remembered Goku, obviously, but... Yeah, yeah. Oh, we were were talking about Kuwabara and Yusuke syncing together, and they both did like a a double spear kick on them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so that was just teamwork. Yeah. Uh, Photon, lift up your arms. Why? Then she just falls, and then they kick crap out of them. Yeah, I thought that was very clever. Her just slipping out of her jacket. Anything else super memorable from that first arc? Uh, Well, I already talked about Rando. Yep. I think that kind of kind of encompasses most of that. Yep. Cool bar getting his spirit sword was pretty cool. You know, the first time I watched this, I had totally forgotten how Kuwabara first found his spirit sword. <laughs> and then it was nice, you know, many years ago after rewatching this many times, seeing him get that piece of a very old wood yep. to kickstart his spirit sword. That was during the Genkai training. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was during... When they were in the dark room fighting each other one-on-one. Yep. The Genkai tournament. A lot of tournaments in this arc. Ernest, uh, yep. I, I totally appreciate it, though. I like the tournament style. Yep. I guess the only thing we didn't cover in the Spirit Detective Saga would be this more of the Saint Beast stuff. Genbu is kind of whatever. I mean, I thought it was pretty clever that Kurama found his heart stone or whatever. Was, yeah, he found his thalamus to be able to oh, yeah, just yeah. kind of break him apart. Yep. And the fact that he was able to, while Genbu was literally throwing his body at him, was able to detect and see where that is that part of him was and be able to catch it of all pieces while also dodging getting hit. Mm-hmm. To be able to just shatter it and then Genbu's just everywhere. Yep. Kind of get to see how awesome Kurama is in the beginning. That was nice. Yeah. But we, I mean, of the four safeties, Suzaku was probably, he had the coolest abilities, but he's also the only one you really got to see any abilities for. Right. That's that's the one thing I was going to kind of put in during that. Is that's you know, the really only thing I was kind of like unimpressed with about the whole anime was just during the same piece. I wish we would have got a scene a little more out of the fights with the same beast, especially like uh, um, Siryu. I, I love dragons. I love the whole ice theme, but it was over so fast. I, I wish there was a little bit more in-depth like the last fight with Suzaku. I, I wish yep. there was a little more to it, but even, even then, being able to make your way through to be able to try to get rid of the insects in Living World to get rid of the whistle, they had to do what they had to do, so I get the fight scenes also being short because they're also trying to end these fights as fast as they possibly can. Right. And it's better than in the manga where the ending of the fight was all you saw with PA. So all that beginning stuff where it happens, none of that happens where he gets his leg frozen and he does all those other things. It's literally just, he takes it personally and then gets chopped up. And like, that's how it happens in the manga. So it's super short. I guess I'll take the anime <laughs> version a little bit better where you get to see Serial kind of like shit on Biako for just being weak. Yeah. And just well, kind of. You, you do see that, but then the whole other part of the, the whole fight with PA lasts like one page. Just a couple panels and it's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's about how, that's how the fight felt like. It felt like it was done in like five seconds from start to finish. Frozen leg, dead, Siru. Yeah, definitely over too quick. Yeah. But Suzaku was pretty sweet. He had a lot of techniques. Yeah. This multiplying technique, which I'm surprised we didn't see any more of like in later fights. Because um, it was cheating. It was definitely <laughs> cheating. It was very cheap. Uh, and then his electric arrow deal was a, another one of my favorites of all time. I love the concept of, you know, going back to the My Hero movies when I talked about one of my favorite characters or one of my favorite scenes was one that one character can turn his fingers into an arrow and he was able to shoot. I got that from Suzaku's uh, okay. electric yep. arrow deal. So 
I, I really like that one a lot. I like I like that fight because that's also when Yusuke utilized like using his like shoes, thinking it would be conductive to kind of stop it, but it was just in reality to be able to get his hands close enough to be able to release his spirit energy closer to him to be able to do more damage. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good to see Yusuke learning from his training. I thought Suzaku had the most potential to be the most badass villain. Oh, sure. Just because I think the electric moves are super badass. And but this is also a series that is more based about around martial arts and fighting. So plus, like I said, Suzaku was cheating because he could multiply himself, not lose any power, and then his six would die, and he could just reabsorb them, reabsorb all of his power and continue on as if it was fresh out the, like, waking up. Right. Super cheating. Yeah, because that kind of reminds me of, like, flashback to, like, Naruto with his shadow clones. But the only thing he ever retained was just the thoughts and what they saw and experienced. But he lost that chakra from doing that. So it felt a little cheap to see him just, like, split his body. Now he's got six or seven of them. And yep. then he comes back, got a good night's sleep, and he's refreshed, ready to go again. Right. So I thought the Sabi's arc, I, I thought the pacing was really good for this. I think the pacing for the whole series is really good, and that's really nice. But I think we really want to, I know, what I'm really looking forward to, and I know Lance for sure is really looking forward to, is the next arc. The Dark World. The Dark Tournament arc, yep. It is definitely the core reason why I, and I'm sure so many more people, truly love Yu Yu Hakusho, is because of the Dark Tournament. Yep. Yeah, I would uh, agree. And because you get so many different characters, you get power-ups, and you get to see all these different characters, you get a super badass just fight with Chu. You get that Dragon of the Darkness Flame multiple times like you saw. You get to you get to see probably some of the best transformations in this arc as well. That was one thing I was going to mention. Seeing Kurama being able to go back to Yoko Kurama yep. and see his original demon form when he was a demon at the time yep. was fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah, do you guys have a favorite transformation? Tyler, I'm assuming that's going to be yours. That's probably one of my favorite transformations. Just the fact that the the person he was fighting didn't even know that that would happen. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it, it aged him so far back, back to Yoko Kurama, mm-hmm. that it actually put him in a worse fight than he was <laughs> if he would have just left him as he was. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's very clever on the writing portion of this. Yep. Lance, do you have a favorite or... Um, the first one that's going to come to mind is when Hiei consumed the Dark Dragon. Okay. And if that's, it's not necessarily a real transformation, but like, it's like a big level boost. And if you want to go on that kind of way. I a transformation though. It's yeah. Like it's almost the, like a transformation of character because after that, it gave him that level of power mm-hmm. that. He was basically it, invincible. Consider, uh, it just destroyed free. everything it touched. Yeah. So I loved, that was almost, I'll, I'll just go as far to say, like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people might agree as well that fight where Hiei versus we consuming the dragon just fucking up the field completely was probably one of my all-time favorite episodes out of all of Yu Yu Hakusho because if I remember correctly during that fight with we is when he also mixed it in with the mortal flame to be able to try to control it better wasn't it nor is it just pure darkness pure darkness yeah I mean yeah because I know before that he was training with the mortal flame and the darkness flame at the same time to be able to try to control it as best as he could because the darkness flame was the hardest thing to ever control I think if it's one thing that the demon king arc said was that the darkness flame fed off of like your ambitions and whatnot so 
because EA's ambitions was to destroy Bui and win the tournament and whatnot. So it was, I don't know, throw that in however you want to do it. But he was able to bring out the dragon, control the dragon a little bit better. Yeah. That's, well, he was, he was willing to sacrifice himself to be able to control the dragon. And nobody was ever willing enough to do that. So that's why he was able to control it. And that's one thing that kind of like, I was actually just about to bring up. So it kind of works <laughs> like you went first. So, like, the first time he ever used it in the very first fight when he absolutely incinerated him was he ended up losing the use of his right arm. Yeah. You have to sacrifice what you're using. So he's like, my right arm will do. Use dead, kill him. Later in the fights, he ended up using his sword as a sacrifice, but it's a sword, so it didn't take any damage when he used the flame, darkness flame as his, on his sword. But then after that, it seemed to ever, never have an effect with him. And then, right. That's like the kind of like the training thing. I wish I would have touched a little bit more on how to be fully potentially was able to control it. Something that was so uncontrollable. Right. That ended up taking part of yourself to be able to use. Right. Because they only showed him do like two different kind of training scenes. Like one where he's like crippling on a rock and the waves crashing on him. I think that was just a suffering moment. But then just before the Tagoro fight, he was like consuming the darkness dragon or the darkness flames in real flames and whatever. And like so much shit was was going on. The mortal flames Uh trying to tame it the best way he could. So, like, there wasn't too much, like, explaining going on. You just had to take it as it was. Yeah. But, uh, Matt, did you have a favorite transformation for the Dark Tournament? Well, as far as the Dark Tournament is concerned, no. But I do have a favorite transformation for the whole series, and that's the Mazuku. Oh, Yusuke. definitely. Yeah, I, I wish. That one. I kind of wish they would have tapped into that one more time, at least. Like, of course, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to the King arc, but I'll just say it for the King arc. <laughs> so, I don't know if you'd, you'd probably call this like a little bit of a transformation but like when yusuke was going through his training to get the spirit wave orb uh-huh. from genkai i that was also another one of my favorite transformations because it was like very heartwarming yet yep hyped you up when he literally was struggling and suffering trying to the gain whole, control of it the whole process inside yep, the cave but then he saw Pooh going about to die from a falling boulder and it instantly clicked he got his power and flew destroyed the rock and saved him and was able to get out like right that yep. was a huge like it's a trans transformation but it, it's not because it's just like a gain of power and being able to finally like control it but at the same time it's a huge transformation for him as a person because i that to me feels like the first time you actually see him genuinely care about poop yep um i guess if i had to pick one transformation it's probably after the scenes in which after Kuwabara quote-unquote dies and Yusuke grabs a hold of Tagoro because he's gonna go kill he's like well if that didn't do enough I'm gonna kill more of your friends and you just see him like he's you see the rising of the phoenix which I thought was great animation and then him grabbing a hold of Tagoro's arm and just giving him that punch and flinging him at the wall yeah that's one thing I liked about that entire like after Kuwabara like dies the whole like somberness because you don't you, you think he's almost giving up he's not there and then it's just the power comes out and he just starts yep. whooping ass like it's yep. it, it it definitely gave a different feel than what was actually going to happen so it's just like it's not like it was going somewhere else and then it just pulls you right back in because it's going the way you want it to go yep yeah uh one of my favorite parts about all of that i mean you said the, the phoenix part but just a moment before that was the spirit cuffs yeah where he rips off his uh wristbands yep. and then you get the, the small explanation speaking of that okay so the small explanation of uh why he's got these spirit cuffs to help him train. Yeah. It looked like Genk when he went into the reasoning for why he had those, it looked like Genkai put those spirit cuffs on just before they gave she gave him the spirit orb inside that cave, right? Yeah, it was right when he was walking into the cave and she asked him if 
Yeah, so he's ready for right. it. Right. So if you put that, if if you're on the same like thought that I was on, that's only like a day or two, like only a couple days like prior. Two, I think it was like two days because I think he was in the cave trying to like control it for, I think it was a full day at least because they, there was like their off day from their fights. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up getting to their fight, I think a little late. Right. So that's one thing I always wanted to say, like if, if that's the case, there should not have been that big of a power boost or whatever. I think it happened before the tournament started. I would like to imagine that was the case. I feel like that was a flashback at their training and that was at the the sixth month before when he started his training with Genkai the second time before the Dark Tournament. Right. See, but the, my interpretation on that was like with the flashbacks, it was like the same style cave entrance and cave beginning. Right. And Genkai was also talking about this being one of his roughest training. That's the only reason I think those cuffs were put on right before he actually walked into the cave and had that orb placed into his chest. So my thinking why it's beginning is because she already knows who Tagora is, so she knows she has to put the worst type of training for Yusuke that she can imagine, because that's what it's going to take for him to become even close to as strong as Tagora is beforehand, because she knows that, hey, he is the highest class of demon that they know of, so in order to be able to truly fight him, she needs to make sure that they are on the same level, so I feel like she would have done that, and then, as far as going to the, the caves are concerned, I feel like that was just kind of one of those generic style looking caves and that very possible that Genkai has something very similar looking because you see in the end of the series where she has waterfront she has has the the beach on her property so it's possible to believe that they also have similar style caves than what would be on the island okay that would make sense but that's only me wanting to make it like like you were saying it's like well he had spirit cuffs for a day that doesn't make any sense it's like it had to have been beforehand or that would have just been a complete waste of his time and her time right yeah so the only way it would actually make sense in the storyline is if it was before the dark tournament even started a little off topic. I feel like a lot of like the animes that we watch and grow up with kind of like originated some ideas around this, like with the with the spirit cuffs, yeah. like in Naruto with Rock Lee's weight with his weight cuffs. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like it's almost kind of like to a similar point. Yeah. Well, you it, had you just to kind of since we're already off topic. Piccolo had his weighted gear in the. You find out in the cell art, but then in the Dragon Ball, you find out that Goku has weighted clothes. Right. So I, I feel like they kind of just all go together, but it wouldn't surprise me if they use those ideas to help, in that case, Naruto get the same ideas. And it's awesome, just because, like, I, I don't know exactly what your new Akasho came out. It's early 90s. Early 90s. So it's, it's, the it's manga good. started in 92. So it's like almost like a good like focal starting point for other animes to kind of mm-hmm. adapt to, which it being kind of like the starter of trends yep. is awesome. Yep. Especially like kind of like earlier you said, Lance, like he, the author of this, used to do romantic ones. This is his first fighting one. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people were able to adapt off of that is astounding for your first fighting anime. Yeah. Right. So sticking with uh, Dark Tournament's arc, just because I know this is going to be a lot of people's favorite arc that mm-hmm. made him stay. I want to jump in and talk a little bit about like your favorite scenes from each Urameshi fight. Not not necessarily Urameshi, but Team Urameshi fight. We can do that, yeah. Let's go from the beginning. So we have the first one that... Team Rikuyukai. Team Rikuyukai, that is correct. So I actually have one from that one, and that was the Cho versus Yusuke with the knife death match. Yep. It, it was interesting and it was fun to see just two people living in the thrill of the fight yep. and just not necessarily wanting to kill each other, but they were having a blast. And then at the end, when Yusuke was able to push him outside of that boundary and she was like, kill me, he's like, we're going to live to do this again. Like, 
Yeah, it's, I think that was just an awesome stepping stone just for the rest of UCA's fights in general. Like, you just made friends. You didn't make, you yeah. know, you didn't just kill people. It exactly. Was, and yeah. that was the whole outlook even through, like, the Three Kings saga towards the end was that was he, what he wanted. He never wanted to kill anybody ever. He wanted to. It was more about friendship than it was about enemies. He enjoyed the sport of fighting at that point versus just the outcome of fighting, which previously had been killing the his enemies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you, Tyler, where that was my favorite fight of the you know, Team Rakuti Kai ones. What about you, Lance? Well, just before I say mine, it was just really cool just to see the Yusuke throw out a spear gun double <laughs> also. So I thought that was pretty freaking sweet. Yep. Because that was the first time that we actually seen that he could do more than one. Because that's when his limit was three after the training. No, that was before the training in the cave. Yep. But that was after the six-month training period mm-hmm. before he went on the ship. Right, so yeah, he still had a limit of three at that point, I think. Yeah. I would like to say the Zero fight would be my favorite just because the anticipation of a fire user yep. is always going to be, you know, a fan favorite. But, of course, it, was, it wasn't it was that quick. It was relatively quick. Yeah. But I do want to throw a curveball in. I want to say the fight with Roto. Yep, that's, that's what I was thinking of. The fight with Roto versus Kurama, and that's because, one, Roto's... Uh, accent I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who roto is roto is the guy that has the finger the, blade and the button yep. oh that's the one that had his mother locked down mm-hmm. with his brother okay yep. now i remember let's see if i can get his accent i don't embarrass myself <laughs> <laughs> we can always edit it yeah we'll see you know soichi i got your brother it was pretty close. Yeah, it was pretty close. It was real close, yeah. It wasn't brother, but it was, it was mother, it was, whatever. Yeah, it was his mother. No, close it, enough. It was. Brother was in the Demon World tournament. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. uh, by the parasitic yeah. demon. Yeah, because he hadn't met, or his mother hadn't met his future stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like, you know, Soichi, I like your pretty red hair. And stuff like that. Like, I, so the accent was fun, and then just the fact that uh, that's where we started seeing Karama and his sneakiness about shooting a little seed into his chest to immobilize him and whatnot so and that's also where you kind of got to see the sneakiness of demons in general and what they'll do to win right at the end of the day it's not about the fight it's about winning and if you can control somebody through outside means do what you got to do it's a tournament to the death right yeah in hindsight you know even if roto did win this battle how would he have won his next battle against whoever else just so happened to know he could have had a leg up on Karama just, eh. just by chance, whatever. You get to see the the ruthlessness of Karama, and mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I think his his best arc was this one of the of our main characters. I think this was Karama's best arc. Yeah, because you get to see besides the one instance in the uh, sensory arc, but we can we'll talk about that one when we get to it. Yeah, I think I know what you're getting at. And then after that, we have our Doctor Ichigachi battle fight, whatever, however you want to call it. And that is with the three individuals that they were controlled by Dr. Ichigaki. So you have N, uh, Ryu, Ryo, Ryu, and uh, Kai. Yeah, I guess those are the official names. Yeah, yeah, you have M1, M2, and 3. Yep. And those are the, the three individuals that in the beginning of the fight, Kuwabara and Yusuke can't see their energy and you have Genkai basically helping them along and said that you can't comprehend their energy and that's why you can't see it yet. Basically, she said, you're a bunch of weak bastards, you don't know what's going on. Oh, I thought it was because of emotional states or something like that. Because there was something that 
Genkai did or said that unlocked Yusuke and Kurobar to be actually be able to see that it was two rings instead of multiple rings. There's only two rings you actually have to worry about. The rest are just decoys. Uh, there was one ring. Was it, it one was ring? One ring per arm. Yeah. yeah. So oh, had, okay. Yeah, okay. So you had two rings total, and I think there was a total of six that they could see. Right. Yep. Um, and then the other one was a bear claw with limited range. Yep. And then I'm trying to remember the last one was uh, like a spear, like a javelin. Yep. Light javelin. So Kuobara couldn't see it until after he went down. And then Yusuke was finally able to break through after the three of them attacked Kuobara. And then they were saying, kill me. You heard them say, kill me and said kill. And they were, they were bleeding out their eyes. Like they were crying blood. Tears of blood. Yeah. Fight, yeah, they were saying kill, but they were thinking like kill him, like kill Yusuke, but the mm-hmm. end, but it was all the entire time it was killed them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was when Yusuke could finally break through, I guess you could say break through that emotional barrier, but he broke through that power barrier that was kind of limiting him from seeing their attacks. Kuwabara technically could never see them, but I think it was just after that attack that he was able to finally like comprehend the power. Uh, the reason why I'm saying it that way is because Genkai talks about in the beginning where you can't comprehend their power. Yeah, and that so, was always wild to me with Kuwabara having probably one of the highest spirit awareness on their team and he couldn't even right follow with and also if i'm a little off from that if i remember that was also the first time we actually saw genkai for the first time because i think in that fight her mask got ripped off mm-hmm. if i'm correct when she took a hit from all three no i think the first time we saw genkai get unmasked was versus shishi Wakamaru. trying to remember um because i remember she got hit out of the stage and hit the wall hard and i can't remember if that's when her mask fell off or if that's when it just got damaged a lot no, it's not. Ooh. So they already, yes. So she kicks Yusuke out, out of the way. way. And then she gets kicks the bear claw attack. Yep, gets the bear claw attack. And then her mask comes off because the Shishibakamaru fight is the second time yeah. that they've seen it. Yeah, okay, that's when it comes off completely. And like that entire time, like the instant they showed up at the boat, I, I knew it was Genkai. Well, oh, yeah. it's, 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 it's her... she, he came from Genkai's tournament, like from her compound to learn. Yeah. And the fact that like Yusuke didn't know it was her. I like part of me kind of wonders like how they they came about to go to the same place. But yeah. looking at like how she was dressed and how is that like it threw me off for a little bit of a curveball when it showed her younger state. And I was like, ah, okay, now who who the hell is this? But then when they explain like when you're at your strongest, it goes back to resemble what well, that, you looked like at your strongest form. Well, that's her ability and something Kuawar is the one that says it is like hey I thought that was Genkai because she's at her young we'll say 20 year old self and Yusuke is like well I thought that was her because obviously we'll say what is it 50 years later I think it was 50 years between the tournament and oh yeah I think it was so she'd be in her say 70s at that point so she just looks like an old, old woman at that point so it's like well I thought it was her but that's definitely, definitely not. not the Genkai I know about so that that was his hesitation. Like, he knew it was her, but it's like, well, maybe there's a second one of her or something? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, because that's what led to complications in later fights was mm-hmm. her being in her old form, and they're calling it for, like, false substitution and yeah, the yeah. younger one. I, I thought that was brilliant, like, writing on that portion is, yeah. yeah, they wanted to hide Genkai so that no one else would know it was her and she would be targeted, but then to go back jump back and forth between young and old. I thought that was 
And the fact that I actually showed the Great crowd going through a loop, thinking like, "What the hell is going on?" Yep. And like, "This yep. is some trickery." Yep. Yeah, it, it was fantastic writing. I I love his writing style. Hunter Hunter, love Hunter Hunter. Definitely yep. not my favorite compared to Yu Yu Hakusho, but it's up there. It's great. Just to kind of come back to this. So then, yes, you see young Genkai at that point because she's getting ready to use her attack where she essentially attacks the soul of the three individuals and but she wanted to save Yusuke because Yusuke was finally able to see the abilities at that point no he wasn't able to see the abilities at that point but like you had said where just part of her mask came off and I thought this whole this whole series was great because you see a little bit of building on Yusuke you see I feel like this is the part where you kind of feel like cool bar is useless his fight with Rinku, he ends up losing because it's just Kuwabara. And then with this fight where he's just kind of like, well, I guess I, I want, he, he's too emotionally attached to some of his fight, uh, his opponents. Yeah. And you get to see the start of Yusuke having his emotions being what really controls his abilities. Kind of see it in the three Saint Beast arc in the fight with, um, Suzaku where it uh, Keiko getting attacked by those Makai-controlled individuals. So I always took that in place in the beginning. Yusuke really only cared about Keiko, so that's why he got his power boost. But then, you know, as you continue on, you're like, well, well it's not just Keiko that he really cares about. It's all of his friends that he really cares about. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this this one was great. You get to you get to see Yusuke getting stronger, but then you get to see young Genkai doing her some of her abilities. Do you have any anything more for this this fight for Ichigachi? Yeah, Ichigaki fight. No, I'm I'm ready to move on to the Shinobis. Okay, so it's uh, Team Mashu Masho. Yep. Oh, Masho. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought this was good. It was kind of it was kind of cool to see this one. I thought it was funny the uh, Ruka medical personnel. Mm-hmm. Super sexualized that that brings me off like a little off topic with like a co-ed moment where he's like ogre hit me in the head (laughs) it's like it's like the like just the fun little breaks and like the seriousness of it and then it's just it's stuff like that that just makes you laugh and then he yells at ogre because he finds out that she's a not an actual nurse (laughs) yeah (laughs) why'd you do that well you probably do sir (laughs) Gwen was definitely a huge comedic relief in all of this show. I- yeah, he's so funny. Um, but back to Team Masho, Matt, did you have a favorite Shinobi? Um, I feel like I'm gonna steal yours, Lance, but Jin. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jin was my favorite. I don't know what it was about. Or I'll let you describe Jin. Um, it just his free spirit. Like he was, mm-hmm. he and he, basically he was at that point demon form Yusuke. Not as strong, but he wanted to do things because he wanted to do it. He was free spirited and his, he enjoyed fighting. Like that's the only reason why he really fought was because he enjoyed it, not because right. he had to. And his, um, moves were, were good. The, the double arm tornado or the double fist tornado. I think double tornado fist. Yeah. It was, he's like, this is something I created. And it's like, why would you even think about doing something like that? Just spin your arms in a massive <laughs> circle real yeah. quick, see what happens. <laughs> So he's definitely my favorite because I stole yours, Lance. Uh, Tyler, do you have do you have a favorite? Or yeah, my story? favorite fight was probably had to be like the Toya fight. Okay, uh, yep. just how Toya was able to kind of manipulate the battlefield into his own yep. terrain to be able to make him more comfortable to fight. 
allowed him to just be at his top yep. during the fight. Exactly. Or like with like what you said with Jin, he could fly around in the air, but Toya literally manipulated everything to his exact yep. wants for that fight. Yep. What yep. about you, Vance? What, I mean, who's... those are my top two favorite. <laughs> <laughs> those two are clearly the most fun. Uh, Toya, his ice abilities is awesome. Jin, I love the fact that he can fly. Yeah. Um, just to throw out another, you know, just to get more things to talk about. Let's Gamma. He was whatever. And then that Gamma, you know, is the painting guy. And then who was Bakken and uh, Risho? Bakken. Bakken was just a big guy. He was a big bully. White guy. God, that's that'd be so disgusting to fight against that thing. Uh, Bakken was the one who could sweat so much that he can create a fog that no one else could see through, just in case anyone needs a a refresher. But Risho is the Earth Shinobi. Yep. The one who can give himself uh, earth armor. And I thought, I guess this could be a form of transformation. Earth, the earth armor was pretty freaking awesome. I liked a lot of that. And then the Meteor Smash. I remember in the PlayStation 2 Yu Yu Hakusho Dark Tournament game, yep. it was fun to play as Risho because you can just power up like that. I felt like he, I was going Super Saiyan. He was actually useful in the game. Yeah. <laughs> cool bars win number one. Throwing that out there. That was his, his first win. Yes, that that's right. <laughs> we had talked about this before. Yeah, this is Cool Bar's first win of the entire tournament. But Risho is also awesome because if, if I was going to talk about like Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. I think I would want to be an Earthbender out of all of them just because I think it would be pretty defensively convenient and attack and whatever. I don't know. It's too hard to choose a, a bending I, I, I technique. Air, you would choose air? Yeah, I would choose air. You get to fly. You can just make a barrier Flying would be amazing. I've always decided between water and earth just because there's so much you, you of it. You look at it like, like what you said, like little off topic again with like <laughs> Avatar, but like earthbending is very defensive, but then you look at waterbending, which is very offensive, especially with the manipulation of bloodbending. Bloodbending? Okay, yeah, as soon as you go and that if you, far, if you include, it's like, game over. Because yeah. you got hyper defense and hyper because like you had okay. Tafu can metal bend for like That's yeah, cheating. more. So we're That's we're cheating. <laughs> Just the basis of water only. H2O. <laughs> That's yeah. what you get. Alright, yeah, strict water and strict earth. That'll be another conversation for something in the future. But yeah, as far as Risho goes, that's as much as I'm going to throw out there. It was just awesome that he had the transformations. It was awesome that... He had a lot of potential to be cool. I mean, you got to throw a cool bar above him every once in a while, so... Right. <laughs> that was also, like, the first time that you saw, outside of, like, the Tagoro brothers in Turukune's compound, the elder Tagoro transforming into a sword and a shield, that you saw someone use their power to fully manipulate a body arm. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first time. Yeah, because the next time you see it is uh, Kuro with his, like, mist armor or whatever it's called, where he can transform. Uh, the mist orbs, where he can yeah. transform into a beast. Oh, Kuro Montaro. Sorry, I'm used Kuro. to... Yeah. I'm used to his full fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> Momontaro is probably the one that gets me... Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Jin, and then his accent, it's just... Jin's accent, I, I love it. So I had to watch it in, in, in dubbed. It was a lot easier for work and, and that. Yeah. I think Jin was the only time I actually had to turn on subtitles for English to be <laughs> able to, like, understand what he was actually saying in the beginning. Because I, could, I just, I love the accent. I just could not follow it the best. He talked so quick he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> And then it's when they're talking about, so what's this, uh, what's this chart, what's this round gonna be? And Jim starts talking and Yusuke's just like, yeah, whatever he said, we'll go with that one. <laughs> yeah. And then of course, uh, 
Oh man, what's what's her name? Uh, jury? Jury? The blue haired girl? Yeah, the, the blue haired announcer. She's like, and it's gonna be this. And it's like, well, how did she understand that? Nobody else could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was great. And then just the, the fight with the the Team Macho fight was really good. Honestly, I thought I didn't mind Genma. I thought his it was no. a creative way. It was very creative. It just wasn't as flashy. It was no. it was just, you know, intellectually a yeah. smart battle. And the fact that with uh what is it, Gamma? Yep. Gamma, it, it wasn't just like, oh I disabled, like I paralyzed or whatever. It was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm adding like two thousand pounds of weight to each body part that I draw my stuff on. Yep. It 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 made it a little more like in depth. Yep. And if you were strong enough you can get around it as it is, and then you got like during the fight with Kramas just genius mind able to trying to outlast and stall as much as he can to get the effects to wear off. Yeah. Yep. Which brings up the next point with, with the stalling part when he was fighting Toya asking questions and purposefully mm-hmm. stalling and then even though toya called it out but he still kind of fell for it <laughs> that was kind of funny and, that and the fact that karama could go from gamma to toya while still having gamma's restraints on him yep. and still be able to if i remember correctly pull out the win on toya yep yeah you got two is, wins in it a row. is insane against shinobi that are literally meant to take care of they're, the they're, hardest difficult demons that they need to take care of right and the world assassins that they called them yeah he already went in with a hindrance against toya and made and not, not necessarily light work but the fact that he went in with a hindrance and yep. other things and was still able to come out with the win against somebody who was fresh and ready exactly yeah, he was so willing that he implanted that demon seed into well, what was the actual the, the death plant that's what it was called yep. he implanted the death plant into himself to get the win against mm-hmm. toya a lot of stuff to get cut for his blood to come to the outside to be able to have access to his spirit energy. Yeah. So of the the five fights, not the five fights, the five battles, five different battles, which team fight was your favorite? Just because we're talking about all these different um, teams that were they're fighting against. Let's see, one, two, three, four, and five. Yep, the five battles. So we have um, the first fight against Team Rikurukai, the Dr. Chikachi team, the uh, Masho fight, the Team Yuritogi, and then the Chiguro team. Which of those five, which were your favorite? I know we're going a little off topic, sort of, but I just kind of, kind of curious of those five fights, which one your favorite? It's definitely the Tagoro fight. Okay. I wouldn't also say the Tagoro fight was probably one of my favorites, but outside of that, um, I would probably go with the Yuratogi fights, just okay. due to the fact, like I said, with transformations, the fact that you get to see Kurama in his original state, right, and you get to see like Genkai go absolutely crazy. Yep, like, I, I 100 agree. Matt, what about you? Man, I, I, honestly, I probably say the the Masho fight. Yeah, because you get. Um, super badass Karama and then you get Yusuke that's really enjoying this fight. The I think I enjoy Toya and Jin as far as characters are concerned a lot. I enjoy Definitely. those two characters a lot. I enjoyed their fighting abilities a lot. You get Kuobara finally gets a win. Up to this point Kuobara finally gets a win. <laughs> yeah. And you get you get to see that Karama being this super badass fighter without him needing his Yoko form to be able to be super Super bad at. Right. Because yes, I enjoy his Yoko Karama a lot, and the Yurishima fight is super awesome. I think I enjoy the Gama and Toyu fights with Karama more because you see this manipulation that he's doing, like you were saying, Lance, where he's kind of he is able to manipulate Toya enough to be able to help himself win the fight. 
even though Toya already knows what he's trying to do, he's still able to manipulate right. him. Kurama is just 100% strategic. Yep. Yeah, that, that Team Macho fight, honestly, it's the, if it wasn't the, the Taguro fight, and like, I enjoy all the fights in Team Taguro, minus the Elder Taguro fight, I didn't really, it, it was fine. Yeah, it was the most boring of the four matches. It was, because knowing like what the t- Team Taguro fight with like Bui and Kakazu, like, they're only fighting to be able to kill the Tagoros. Like, that's the yeah. only reason they're fighting with them is to train and get stronger to yep. kill that. Yeah. So the elder Tagoro fight, and Kuhabara had, had a cool thing. He can manipulate his. Well, before we jump into that, do we want to talk about Team Yuritogi and then jump into Tagoro and just finish off the Dark Tournament? Yeah, sorry. Let me let me backtrack before we talk into that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so the Team Macho fight was probably my favorite. And kind of everybody gets what they want. Yusuke gets a fun fight. You get to see badass Karama. And then eventually you get to see Kuwabara finally winning, which the I think Risho had so much more potential to be a character. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, in the Dark Tournament game, he's, he's, been, yeah, he's not too bad. Yeah, he's, he's pretty useful. But in this, he's kind of, he almost, as far as like the pecking order would be concerned, I feel like if, if you were to go from strongest to weakest, I'd go Jin, Toya, Gama, Risho, and then Bakken. Oh, really? You'd put Risho that low? Yeah, I'd actually put Risho above Gama, but I'd agree with the Jin and Toya. Oh, yeah. So, the only reason why I feel, I feel like Risha was just overconfident in his abilities that he automatically made himself worse. While Gama, if he would have gone against somebody who wasn't as skilled at fighting as Rama is, I feel like he'd be more useful. Good point. Like if you were going against literally Kuwabara or Yusuke, it he, would have been a completely different fight because they don't think as much as they just want to punch. Right. Yeah, so, yeah it's muscle over brain with them. And even Hie, he could have, he probably, the only other person I feel like, I feel like he would have lost against Yusuke just because Yusuke is so much stronger than the other four on the team. At least, well, not at that at, point. At that point, Genkai was stronger. Genkai was definitely stronger, but I feel like it would have been Kurama, Yusuke, or Genkai that he would have lost to. I feel like Kie might have gotten trapped some way, and then Kuwabara, well, is great. He, he's a good character, but... He's almost, he's, like, block-headed. Like he's, he, he's just not very skilled as far as the fighters, and that's something that Gama would have been able to easily defeat. before we talk about the Yuritogi battle, I feel like we need a break. Now that we're back from our break, we are going to continue on with our Dark Tournament section, which is the Team Yuri Atogi fight. As the other three, do you guys have a uh, a favorite fight in that one? Out of that, the, my favorite fight is probably the one with uh, Yuri Yurishima. Yeah, Yuri Yurishima, just because that's, again, with my favorite transformation in the Dark Tournament yep. with Kurama becoming Yoko Kurama. The fact that it was supposed to just de-age them and make them younger, it actually made him so young and brought him back to his original demon form and that's where Karama experienced it and then wanted to be able to find out how to achieve that almost necessarily at will 
to be able to go back to Yoko Kurama when he needed to or permanent. Right. Yeah, that was his way of being able to tap into his Yoko form because when he fights in the Chiguro fight, he talks how he, every time he takes that drink, he gets a little bit more of the Yoko in him so that he can finally tap into it. And then, of course, you see in the in the sensory arc where he can fully tap into it at that point. Yeah, definitely that the, a really good way. It was an interesting way for him to be able to finally get Yoko Kurama back. I thought that was really awesome. And also, I think that's the first fight you actually see him in that Yoko Kurama form compared to, like, the flashbacks when he's getting chased down when he was a fox. Right. Yep, yep that's true. That's the only time you ever see either mention of Yoko or a previous Kurama. Right. Lance, do you have a favorite? Um, How about you go first? Because I'm jumping between two. What do you got, Matt? The Yura Arishima fight is definitely my favorite. You get to see Badass Kurama. Um, if I if it wasn't for Hiei, Kurama would definitely be my second favorite. And then I think the Shishiwakamaro is probably the funniest one, just because you get the Genkai fight, and then you get Kuwabara just being Kuwabara, kind of comedic relief, and falling into that, uh, oh man, well, it was the Cape of... Nowhereness or something like that. Cape of No Return? Yeah. Cape of No Return, that's what it was. Just the fact that in those last two fights, man's got banished three times and ended (laughs) up going back to the original stage. I mean, it works. It's... Yeah. It was definitely interesting. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. The one thing I want to say is Lance is looking at his cards, and that is how he's getting reminded of all these fights. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking through my binder. Um, I will be jumping between the Shishiwakamaru versus Genkai, okay, and yep. Kuru Momentaro versus Hiei. Okay. Um, you brought up Shishi, so let me just jump to Kuru Momentaro, and he's the one that had those those spheres that he crushed and inhaled and allowed him to transform into different variations of himself. Yep. And Ogre freaked out about him. And that was another piece of comedic relief because Gwen was like, well, how do you defeat him? And he's like, well, I don't, I don't know. We all lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was really fun because in the Kuro fight, this is where we start to see Hiei bust out more darkness moves. Yep. He's got the Sword of Darkness, uh, Sword of Mortal Flame, whatever, and Fist yep. of Mortal Flame. Yep, it was that one, the Fist of Mortal Flame. Yeah, yep. he used the Sword of the Darkness Flame because he used the sword as like the sacrifice for the Darkness Flame. Yep. And, and that's when he cut him in half. Yep, and the Phoenix form. And yep. just, yeah, that was... That it was, was just an overall around like amazing fight. Yeah, and the transformations are always fun to see. Someone just gets slightly better yeah. and then and then there's at one point like he looked at us or he's like ah, fuck it i'll give it a try and then that's when he pulls out the sword of darkness flame so it was just awesome with all the darkness and then they made it all dramatic because it was the uh wolf one or the werewolf one yep and then he's like got his teeth on kie and then there's blood everywhere and then you find out that it's uh kuro momotaro that is really dead oh as soon as he bit down he was already dead yeah, yeah when he bit down and then there was the blood spray i yeah. thought it was he that was going down and all of a sudden I was like that works because <laughs> like at the very beginning of the fight Momotaro ended up with Hiei's sword and cut himself on purpose to become immune to his sword yep. and they yep. can no longer deal damage to him throughout the fight. Yep so that was just all fun and then just to uh, bring Shishi back into the mix versus Genkai the course of a thousand souls that's just an awesome move 
Yep. But ultimately, the spirit reflection blast, like grabbing onto the sword at last second, pulling it back, and then blasting everything as a counter. Counter moves are always awesome. I love those. Yeah, and you, you get to see Gentai fighting as her old self, because at this point, she's already given Yusuke her spirit wave abilities. Right. Or not really abilities, but power. Because so this she, is where Yusuke is passed out trying to like recover from that yeah, agonizing, yeah. just dealing with the absorption of the orb. Yep, the yep. cave. I'd say probably one of the more heartstring moments because you get Poo like almost dying and being suffering mm-hmm. because Yusuke's suffering in between those points. Yeah, it, it's that her fight with uh, Anji is, it was really good. Anji slash Suzuki. Yep. The beautiful Suzuki. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that I really enjoyed was the, you get, if you, for all of our listeners that enjoy Hunter Hunter, you get to kind of see a more useful, uh, beautiful Suzuki being, oh man, do you remember the, the clown guy from Hunter Hunter? Now that you put me on the oh, spot. Oh god, on. uh, Hisoka. Hisoka, yeah. 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 So that, you get to see that reference of Hisoka being, so the clown being useful in Hunter Hunter, but being completely useless in Yu Yu Hatsha. Right. And, and you get to kind of see those similarities, because obviously the creator created both of them, and you get to see those Easter eggs between the two series. Right. I always enjoy Easter eggs. Exactly. But as far as, uh, Yuritogi, I think I'm, I'm done on Yuritogi. Yeah, I was, the biggest thing is you get to see, um, Yoko Kurama, and then you get to see TA using his darkness abilities. Yep, darkness flame. Again, you get to, you kind of can almost infer that he's learning how to master his ability because he's able to manipulate his sword. Exactly. And then, of course, you know, you got your Team Shiguro fight that is just the meat, I don't want to call it the meat and potatoes of the fight, but this is what everything's building for. Exactly. I thought every fight was was pretty good, so now that we're to this point, let's see if you guys know the answer to this question. How many fights does Kuwabara win? I think like, in my head, I'm thinking like two. Okay. Lance, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on the two. I think it's versus the... Risho, and then he... The Elder Tagoro. And then the Elder Tagoro, and that's it, because the other ones, he got banished, he didn't die, but he lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. It, it is two. Two is the number in, in which, of fights in which he wins. Mm-hmm. So, that that's one of those things where it took me until I got through this. I saw somebody talking about it on Facebook one time, I, I think, and I was like, you know what? I don't remember how many fights he actually wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of count it as a one with the amount that, like, like with the younger girl with him, like, dying, helped Yusuke win, so you, you kind of take credit for that, but, like, him himself dealing the final blow, and it's two. Yep, it, it was two, and so you get that fight with Elder Chiguro. I, I thought it was fine. That fight was probably my least favorite of the four. Definitely. It was just meh. Yeah, it, it was meh. And honestly, Kuwabara was not the, to me, Kuwabara was not the character to be the most interesting person to watch fight. I don't think that was basically us. Yeah, because he, at the end of the day, it was just a basic human with his spirit sword mm-hmm. where you have Kihei with darkness abilities. You got Karama where we were recently seeing him as Yoko. Yep. You got Yusuke who's just got the spirit wave orb. Like, it, there's so much going on to their team that it's just Kuwabara fell off and just wasn't as interesting as everything else going on around. Right. Yeah. They almost needed to give Kuwabara like a sword versus sword kind of combat thing. I just... feel like that would have been like a neat place to kind of like show like his dimensional sword uh, for from like the Three Kings saga, mm-hmm. or not the Chapter Black saga, mm-hmm. just kind of introduce in a way, like a little bit, just to give him a little bit of edge to keep him interesting for those later fights. Like accidentally tap into it and then yeah, reveal exactly. it later. Like you can see it for a little bit, just something to give him that little bit of an edge, mm-hmm. and then it just disappears until the later arcs. We could definitely get more into that once we get to the uh, Chapter Black saga. Um, if you had to rank the four fights, 
how do you rank them? Why do you want to start that? Mm, okay, it's gonna to me, it's gonna be very difficult to decide between the Yusuke and Hiei fight. Okay. But kind of what I was starting earlier on this podcast, the Bui versus Hiei with all of the dragon fight. Mm-hmm. I want to say that one's gonna be my favorite. But... Okay, so we got Bui. Okay, Bui, then Younger Tagoro with Yusuke, and then Karama. So the Karasu fight. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. and then we'll end it with uh, Elder Tagoro versus Kulabara. Okay, um, Tyler, what about you? I'd probably have to lead the same with like uh, Hiei versus Bui, but okay. then I would go Karasu versus Karama, just okay. because like just it's also the first time you saw in that tournament that Karama lost, but was the only one alive. It was oh yeah. The fight itself was just yeah. It was an interesting insane. Take. Yeah, oh, yeah and, and the fact that Karama was able to eventually adapt to see what Karasu was doing to be able to do this damage and the explosions, and they were just his energy just masked. Okay, and then it would go the younger Tagoro and then Elder Tagoro. Right. Okay. Matt. Yeah. For me, I probably go the Elder Tagoro and then Bui, then Karasu, and then you mean younger Tagoro? Younger is the yeah, plus yeah, one. Yeah. Sorry. Younger Tagoro, Bui, Karasu, and then Elder Tagoro. Uh, I thought the the fight with Yusuke, there was so much that was going on. And then you find out at the end, it's like, this is what younger Tagoro wanted all along anyway. It's like, he wanted to be able to use 100%, wanted to go into this fight, but he almost wanted to go into the fight to lose. Exactly. He wanted to die from somebody, especially being trained under Genkai, the one he loved when they were younger, and lose to him so he would like give his life meaning almost yep. for a reason as like resentment or like a yeah. repentance for making his choice to become a demon not yeah. grow old with the person you love. Yeah, exactly. I think and the only reason like I ranked the younger to girl fight under the other two is because you almost expected that fight to be like that. I guess the, the, the with the with the love and wanting to be at a hundred percent like that, like the, it's thrown in there, but like with the other two fights, there was just so much constantly going on mm-hmm. that you weren't expecting out of those two fights. That is what probably drew me in a little bit more than the younger to girl fight, because you expected that out of that kind of fight. Yeah, I can agree. Oh, and just, I, it's probably more to do with the fact that Yusuke is truly my favorite character and the fact that you get to see Yusuke evolving probably the best way to say it is evolving his and truly unlocking his fully awakened abilities and then you get to see him be on par with Goro. I, I did think that the ending of the Chiguro fight the younger Chiguro fight with Yusuke was super anticlimactic where he's just like alright I'm going to take 100% of this ability. He squeezes it against himself and then he dies and I'm just like so I can 100% see why that's kind of not people's favorites, but I feel like it probably has more to do with Yusuke's development as a fighter. That is why I enjoy that episode so much more, or enjoy that fight so much more than the other. The Bui fight was really good, uh, definitely, but I thought the Karasu fight versus Kurama, besides the ending, was just kind of like Kurama getting his ass kicked, and then you get to see Yoko being his kind of super, I'm trying to think of the right word to put it, where, where he's just kind of toying with his Prey. Yeah. And then you get Karama again and Karama kind of just pulls one out of his ass and then then the episode or then the fight's over. And just kinda of like you get way too high and low of the fight where it's just kinda of like, yeah. Okay. Because when Karasu fights Yoko, it, it's almost like you've got a cat and a mouse kind of thing where it's like, eh, I I know I can kill you. I'm just gonna kinda of like grab onto your tail and play with you. And then once Yoko goes away and Karama, it kinda of gets inverse minus the very end where Kurama can essentially use life energy in order to 
could beat Karis, yep. even though he lost. So it's just kind of one of those things where I just didn't like the fight in that manner because it was too lopsided on both ends. And then the Bui fight, Bui and Kie fight was really good. Like, it's very entertaining. But, I don't know. I just kind of felt like you got a little bit of development in Kie because he got his new ability. He engulfed his Dragon of the Darkness flame and was able to use it. But then, like, Bui kind of lost all of his energy or lost his motivation to fight, I guess, kind of the way you could put it. And, I don't know. I, I just kind of felt like the, the younger Chiguro fight was the most satisfying as far as all of it. I can see that. Especially because there were so many boundaries that kept getting pushed. Um, Yusuke releasing his spirit cuffs, Kuobara dying, and then, you know, just... Yusuke getting his transformation or evolution. That's probably a better way to say it. His evolution after Kuobara dies. So it's just, there's, there was a lot more to it, me, as far as the younger Chiguro and fight. And I guess another part in that fight that kind of, like, gave you a little bit of, like, a hype during it is, like, well, uh, Tagoro's releasing his energy and killing the crowd. Then you got also Yusuke's Phoenix circling the crowd as well on top of that. Yep. Uh, then you get like probably one of the best one-liners for the for the uh, tournament arc is the is when Jury says that she doesn't want to die a virgin. Oh yeah. <laughs> but now we're gonna kind of break into our chapter black saga as i mentioned earlier this is going to be my second favorite saga just because it's very tiered in everything that's going on sensui is a one-dimensional um you find out that he is actually manipulating all these different psychics into using their abilities to help his plan like even his plan isn't necessarily one-dimensional tyler you had brought it up where it's like he was doing this in essence because he wanted Earth to be in a better place. But to him, a better place was demons being in charge versus humans being in charge because when he watched the Chapter Black video, it was truly the the humans that were the evilness between the two worlds versus what he had believed as he was younger, whereas the humans that were getting, excuse me, it was the demons that were the evilness into the world, which I have more in the manga, set, manga mentions when it really comes to that. But it, it's it really makes you think, and it's nice to see a multi-layered villain. Like it's not it's not straightforward. He is doing this because he because what he views is to be correct. Which I mean, if you really think about it, all of our heroes they're doing they're saving people because that's what they believe to be the correct course of action. Yep. And it, it's just an interesting. It's really good writing, and it's really interesting to see happen through the whole situation. Yeah, it's not often you get to see especially like a person turn from hero to villain all because of a mentality switch they were able to keep the same prerogative on making the earth a better place but the whole reasoning behind it changed and not messing with the original yep. goal was to make earth better yeah uh do you guys have a favorite villain of the <laughs> yeah i guess they'd be all villains yeah. at this point my uh my favorite villain i'm gonna go with sniper just okay. the fact of his abilities to be able to take any living or not even any living on it. Any any object that he can control with his telekinesis 
Like, for example, he literally used leaves as a lethal object that could have sliced through anybody. And to be able to touch points on a certain person and place targets that they focus on that ability or on that spot, that spot made him seem very overpowered to a point. But mm-hmm. again, it, it, he has his weaknesses with limits of visibility yep. and having to have mental judgment on where a person's going to move and react. Yep. And then you also see him being very easy to be killed or attacked because he's so one dimensionally focused focused on Yusuke that he gets attacked by Kurama when he fights. Yeah, and there's actually one thing with, like, their villains that I was kind of talking to Lance about a little earlier, was uh, all of their Shinobu, like, Shinobu 7, his little group, are all, theoretically, the seven deadly sins. Yeah. And with Sniper, he's the sin of pride. Yeah. And that's where his weakness was, is he was just so prideful in what he can do, that he was, he just, he took him off guard completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a good way to think about it. What I liked about, well, I mean, just to throw one other thing into Hagari the sniper is his introduction was like what flicking a eraser or something yeah he flicked yeah. an eraser and messed with the cover of it to make it a little harder enough to do damage but not hard enough to kill anybody Right, that was, that was super intense. And I think they said he did it at, what, 300 yards? Oh, wow, I didn't even pay I th- attention I think, to that I think it, it, They said the distance, and I think it was like 300 yards he was able to flick or use his telekinesis to hit his target in the middle of the forehead. Yep, through a crowd of people. Through a crowd of people. Yeah, so precisely to avoid all of the crowd and hit him alone. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I liked when he threw, like, just ordinary knives and whatnot, too. <laughs> that, was, that was just pretty I funny. started laughing when he threw the knives and... Yusuke was able to kind of deal with them with these, and he's like, oh, I wasted good knives. And then threw a truck at him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right, we'll step it up a size. Yeah, Hagari was fun. Just to con- bring it back to the concept, or back into the Genkai tournament, where uh, there was that, that ninja guy who threw the Shuryukens that had the follow ability. Just yep. bring it back. A lot of shows have the follow ability kind of thing. Yep. Lance, do you have a favorite uh, villain? One of my favorites is going to be uh, Kamiya, the the doctor. Okay. I like the doctor because he was able to manipulate all the chemicals inside his body okay. to where he could feel no pain. He can increase his physical abilities and even have the ability to reconstruct his arm or whatever back to his body. So I thought he's got a lot of shit going on for him that he can be very deadly. Okay. Yep. Um, what about you, Matt? I, I'm going to have to go with Game Master because I, I thought his ability, like if I could pick one set of abilities that I would want, it would be Game Master. Like, I, if I could immerse myself inside of a video game, I would 100% be, do that if I had the ability to. Oh, sure. And because most of our child, I, I would assume that most people's, at least a lot of people's childhoods. <laughs> I'm not going to make too big of an assumption, but a lot of people's childhoods were engulfed in games. And yep. of course, I know personally, I would love to jump into the world of Resident Evil as long as it's temporary. <laughs> um, And not, just yeah. fucking murk zombies and run around solve shit that'd be a lot of fun for me yeah as long as i didn't have to worry about dying like in game master's true form exactly yeah it'd be it'd be a great time jumping into resident evil wouldn't be the end of the world because it'd be like no this shit's getting real i'm gonna step away for a second and not die by these various monsters that are trying to kill me yeah Yeah, i love the like the thought of being able to just like process and try to like put yourself into a game what it'd be like to actually play it and then like i said in the beginning like my favorite first anime was sword art online and then it's like i don't know if i really want to go in a game where you die (laughs) Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, take out the dying aspect <laughs> out of Sword Art Online. I'm sure everyone would just I'm gonna need a few lose their minds. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say with the um, Anamuna yeah, Game Master's ability is that he became the main character. So if you were to jump into Resident Evil, you would be all the bad guys. Just throwing that out there. Mm, maybe. Cause you or at be, least the final boss. You, yeah, essentially you'd be... I feel like that'd be kind of boring. Like, could you imagine being the final boss and you're just casually waiting for some <laughs> main character to come and try to kill you, it'd be oh man, that really put a, a spin on the games you'd play. You'd have to play like puzzle games and stuff, where you know you'd automatically be playing right away. I feel like it'd be boring. <laughs> it very well could be waiting there for five hours for someone to continue <laughs> through the storyline. But maybe you can tweak it a little bit to where you're the main character at least. Yeah, that that would then, be yeah. Too bad. But like, could you imagine playing Final Fantasy? It's like, well, I have to wait how long for somebody to finally come after me? <laughs> it's been days. <laughs> it's been weeks. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Um, I want to talk about Gourmet real quick. Okay, yep. Gourmet would probably be another underrated character because he had the ability to swallow somebody yep. and retain their ability. And through the anime, or, you know, through the series, we learned that his purpose was to take on Kuwabara's special sword. Yep. But, like, what if he would have at least taken somebody else? Like, what if he would have snuck in, like, Kurama or Hiei or someone else? Just, I mean, we know that Elder Tagoro was already inside there, but, like, could he multiply? Could he double up? Could could he just keep swallowing? I, that would <laughs> not to be too sexual. Um, but like, if you would have eaten Kurama, they all would have lost. <laughs> Kurama, yeah. Because I feel like Kurama was that last link as far as uh, Gourmet is concerned. Because it's just the strategy that Kurama had in all of his fights. If he would have eaten Kurama, he, I feel like he just would have been more OP than any other character. Right. Yeah, because if you look at it through all Kurama's fights, and especially like Hiei said it multiple times, that is his one weakness is he tries to depict the fight and learn the fight first. And try to figure out their weakness before actually fighting. Exactly. Yep. I, I agree. Um, Gourmet's abilities were amazing. I thought the fight with Gourmet and Kurama was awesome because you see Kurama fighting at instinct and implanting a seed because this is the first time you see him working towards future happenings before by doing something because you later find out in the Three Kings arc where he's like, you would have had to have planted these seeds thousands of years ago to be able to actually use them now as you muted them, how did you think about that? Right. And this is the first instance in which you see Kurama doing something like that, manipulating future events in the past. And I thought that was super awesome. Plus the uh, that parasite that he implants inside Gourmet is just super messed up. I thought it was, that's one thing that I liked about the uh, chapter Black arc is that the theme, like how dark this series gets yeah, I was about later to say that. on is fantastic. Because you get I, I wouldn't say the series is a lighthearted but just the themes get a lot more dark the further on it gets within the series. Yep. Yeah, 100% agree. I like the dark factor. And just to throw out another, I mean, I know I've mentioned it in the past, but Digimon Season 3, The Tamers, I felt like that one was a, a much like darker feeling, and that's why I like that one a lot more. But yeah, just that darkness yeah. that you get from an anime just makes you bring out these emotions that you're like, holy shit, they're actually going to do this kind of thing. And that's that's what kind of like what brings me in, like, we, like with the creator of this, like this was like his first big fighting piece. Yep. And then he goes from going lighthearted into darker, and then it brings it into like what he did with Hunter Hunter. It went very lighthearted to extremely dark. 
work yeah. very fast. Yep. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, this is definitely my, my second favorite arc I had out of the three of them. Is there anything more you guys wanted to talk about as far as the chapter Black Saga? It, it's, it was great, but I feel like it was a lot of buildup. I mean, you guys can talk about Sensui, and I mean, you can't forget about, you know, use case transformation at this point. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. The one one thing that I, a little bit of, like, humor inside, like, the chapter chapter Black is, like, uh, when Quenmo was worried and he was about to go back to Earthworld and he looks at George and calls him a fruitcake because George was worried (laughs) about his connection with Quenmo because Quenmo finally said his name after 71 episodes. I died. It it was just, like, some good humor. And then on top of that, like, um, you end up learning that Sensui's got seven multiple personalities. Yep. So, like, in the beginning of the chapter Black, when he was sitting here saying, well, seven graves, seven this. That seven wasn't for the Shinobu seven that he had under his control. That seven was for him and his multiple personalities because he adapted those personalities to deal with the harshness of the world and be able to give a personality to blame for everything going on to give him more of a reason not to hate himself. Yeah, it was that was... It was definitely a twist. I wasn't expecting like him of all people to have like that multiple personality style. Yeah, I completely agree. It was was really good. I thought it was a not something I was especially the first time I had seen it I was like oh man that really threw me for a loop and just well, I wasn't expecting it it was so good. The other time was when the the other thing I was kind of one liner was when Yusuke punches Kuenma and like knocks him out, and he's just like, "Oh man, I've been dying to do that for so long." <laughs> Another one of my like funny little uh, comedic relief parts in there is when he was talking to Sensui, and he's like, he, he says something about like, "Oh, I'm gonna hurt you and you and you and you," and he's starting to do all his multiple personalities to be able to just target him as a person but all of him at once so i really liked the what's the sacred energy is that what it's called yes and i really enjoyed that i thought it was kind of i wasn't expecting that to happen i was slightly disappointed in the sacred energy the the sacred energy it was so good like hey i'm i'm an s-class demon and then i mean you get to see my personal favorite transformation in that fight between demon yusuke and sensui because but then ryzen takes over yusuke's body and then it's one blast and sensui's done and it's like well that was kind of it it was anticlimactic where there's so much possibility for this to be an awesome fight and then Sensui's sacred attacking armor wasn't even anywhere near close to Ryzen. Yeah and it's the fact that literally like Ryzen took over he's like let me show you. Takes over, hits him with a spirit gun and as as soon as like that demonic spirit gun was done Yusuke's able to take over. He wants him to move because Yusuke wants the the glory of doing it himself but subconsciously he wasn't the one that was able to win that fight because he was taken over by Ryzen and like kind of like what we talked about a little earlier is that Ryzen still was not at full power when he controlled Yusuke through that. Like it, that, yep. that, that's only like a fraction of what he was actually capable of and still was able to send Sensui, what, maybe like two miles through the trees? Yeah, and it, it was it was insane. It's like, hey, this sacred ability or sacred energy is only something that you can do if you train for what is it, forty nine years or something crazy like that? Because it's seven years. Yeah, I think it was like fifty years, but between all the personalities, was able to split it down to six years each. I think it was because there were seven personalities, six years, which was forty nine years. So it's like it took him like six and a half years to be able to split the fifty years of training. Yeah, six or seven years, so, somewhere around. Along those lines, so 
he was able to do it in le- in around seven years, less than fifty years total. Like the only thing that threw me for a loop was like even your master Genkai gave up on this, and it was like, so you're telling me something that you have to dedicate fifty years for isn't even able to like stand up to one attack from an, an upper S class demon, the the sacred energy, mm-hmm. and how uh, Sensui was defeated as like literally as soon as Ryzen took over Yuki's body. Like, you're talking this sacred energy with su- something super powerful, and Ryzen defeated it within, without even really trying. Good point, and I never thought about that. Because you look at it like when, when they were fighting, and Yusuke and Sensui were clashing energy, and like Genkai's like, you need to back up, because those two power, is the, or I think it was Genkai, was the equivalent of two S-class demons fighting each other. Mm-hmm. So they had to back up, but then you got Ryzen who comes in probably uses maybe a fraction of his ability. That was, that was Karamo, by the way. That was Karamo, said mm-hmm. Okay. That's right, because that's when he was in Yoko form with his glider. Uh-huh. And Ryzen just comes in, uses fractions of his ability, and basically wipes him. Because that goes to show you the ability of an S-class demon to an upper S-class god. Yeah, well, maybe like not a, only that, but K. just the power of a Majaku in general. Because it's not like Ryzen officially 100% gave Yusuke all of Ryzen's powers. He just awakened the Majaku inside him and showed him how to use the Majaku. Just use the power that was stored, but because like Yusuke, like we kind of said in earlier sagas, struggles to access that power without the necessary breaking the boundary of when one of his friends is. So technically Ryzen kind of helped him give him that push to access that power without needing the sacrifice of a life. Right. As far as the entire chapter block saga was concerned, that was my only disappointment is that you made all this build up for sacred energy and how it's so amazing and then Ryzen taking over Yusuke. So not even Ryzen himself, but Ryzen taking over Yusuke was able to defeat Sensui without trying. Granted, Sensui was dying in quotations, but he was still had his sacred energy. Yeah, because they made no mention that he was losing power. He was just dying. He was just dying. And then in the manga, they say basically he was having like complete organ failure. And that's how he was dying. Hmm. But in the anime, they say he has a rare genetic disorder or something along those lines. I think so. And that's why he's dying. And that most normal people would have been dead long ago. But it's like, as far as that fight was concerned, that Sensui dying had nothing to do with the Mazaku. That's probably the best way to put it. Mazaku Yusuke was able to win so right yeah almost wasn't even worth it it was almost a letdown that was probably my only complaint as far as the uh, uh, chapter block saga was concerned it's just there was so much potential for Sensui being amazing and then he was and then at the end he wasn't yeah because you had all that build up you found out what sacred armor or sacred energy was when he started releasing and they're like oh it takes 50 years of training to be able to to master it, to be able to do it all this demon energy and spirit energy to come naturally and then he just gets blasted away by demon energy like it was absolutely nothing in sacred energy wasn't a thing right I mean they did try to go back in time and not back in time but like try to say like Yusuke is very disappointed with the way he won multiple times like you know he's got the asterisk on this win so like they knew it was a cheap win they knew it was a cheap way out so because it was it was him but it wasn't him it was him and his energy his body it just wasn't his conscious that did it as I mentioned multiple times already at this point I love this arc. It was just kind of anticlimactic at the end. So, anything else you guys want to talk about as far as the chapter Black Saga is concerned? I don't know. I mean, one thing that I kind of like realized, yeah. like symbolization, kind of backtracking a little bit from when they entered De- Demon World, was uh, when Yusuke actually ended up like dying before he resurrected as the Masaku when they were talking in front of the cave. And then Genkai felt that big burst of energy just kind of fade. And then like, the wood dropped from the top of the cave and actually made a cross right in front of the cave. 
<laughs> it's like good symbolization, like just exactly. something came to an end. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, like, she knew instantly just from the lack of just presence from Yusuke just not being there anymore. But at the same time, just like with that cross dropping, it's like now, now you know, like that, that's, that's, that's your sign. Yep. Yeah. Then it's one of those tearjerker moments where it's like, oh, she's like, did I come back from the dead just so that I could watch my student die? Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, that's super heartbreaking. There was so much going on in this, in this saga. It was great. I thought that there was a lot of twists and turns. One thing that I really liked was that all your side characters were brought together in order to help push through the storyline instead of just, all right, well, we got Yusuke and the team and that's how we're going to go through the whole thing. It's like, well, we got Genkai, we got Keiko, we got, oh man, Kobar's sister, John Blake, all right. Uh, um, Shizuru. Shizuru. So you have Shizuru helping you like kind of push through this whole saga. And I think it's great when you make use of your side characters instead of just introducing them to like help for one thing or maybe maybe two things. And that's kind of like how I felt like with like the Shinobu Sentimenter Sensui is that they were there for one goal. Like Game Master, he was there to entrap them in a game that if they won, he wasn't going to be around forever. And the fact that Quenma used a lot of his energy inside of his uh, his pacifier, that Mafuken. He had, his Mafuken to be able to store to revive him. It, it, Sensui's plan was never to have these other people alive. It was the fact of just mainly stalling mm-hmm. to be able to last as long as he can to get that game open and use cool bars and ability to be able to slash through the barrier. Yeah. And then now go to my, my saga that um, so much potential for so much more that unfortunately wasn't there, which we we talked about earlier on why it wasn't there, why the, the chapter just kind of, the series just kind of ended the way it did. Before I continue, you guys know, under, you guys know why the, the series ended the way it did, right? Is that when he started getting sick, like the creator? Because I, I remember that's why Hunter Hunter never finishes because he was too sick to continue. I guess I didn't realize that that was when he started getting sick because I figured that's why Hunter Hunter came to a close is because he was progressively getting sicker. So he was, he, there were interviews in which he had talked about how he was getting to the point where he, show and jump, wanted it to turn into uh, bleach. Yeah, it's just continuing. It's like, Yu Yu Hakusho has a potential where it's like, all right, we're going to fight this person. We're going to fight this more. And he did not want to go down that path. But I also think he was, if I remember correctly, I'm not sorry to any listeners that we have. Not 100% sure. If I remember correctly, he was starting to go down that path where like he was starting to have back problems and doing the things in which Hunter Hunter is having all our delays for. Yep. Is where he was starting to get sick. Um, And he just didn't want Yu Yu Hakusho to continue for the sake of continuing. Yeah, that's that's what I think I remember. Like, he didn't want it to turn into like the next Bleach or like an early Bleach or mm-hmm. anything that just had a bunch of... I think one thing I read was boring, repetitive fights. Yep. He didn't want to just... It's like, alright, so Sensui was strong enough to be able to... was a S-class demon. It's like, well, now I have to create another class of demons beyond Ryzen, essentially, that realistically couldn't have existed in order to be able to continue this series. Right. And like, that's, that's kind of exactly what Dragon Ball is working with right now. Because mm-hmm. they went beyond and now they're dealing with gods. And, you know, we'll talk about this in the future when we start covering more of Dragon Ball Super and stuff. Like, what exactly is going to happen after gods? Yep. You're going to run out of content real quick. And so he was just like, I'm going to end it on my turn. And this is how I want to end it. So as the Three Kings arc had the most potential. Like I said, completely understand why it ended the way it did. Yeah. I, I still thought it was good, but it was it just felt rushed. It was so rushed. They had so many characters that they could have flushed out. Like, what I liked a lot about the uh, Three Kings arc 
is that they started going into like Hiei's background. They started going to a little bit of Kurama's background and they started flushing out, you know, just more information. So I thought that was really nice. Yeah, it was all, it was really good. When it comes to this one, yeah, of the three kings, which one was your favorite? Uh, all the three? Yep, just the three kings. Yep. Um, okay, we'll let Tyler start. He's the, he's the newbie at this show. So I'm, I'm going to go with just like I said, my favorite character from the show is Scooby Rising. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, just the fact that Ryzen held the other two at a stalemate at a weaker state and they didn't even feel like they were prevalent to even keep up with him until he was already like you said in the beginning I can't remember her name um, Kuro Makuru she didn't become relevant until when he stopped eating and then Yomi didn't become relevant until 500 years which is already 500 years after he stopped eating mm-hmm. and even then he was still on par with these other two after being in a weakened state It's he's he's gotta be my favorite because he took what a demon was living for eating humans and having power and switched it for a single human that he met in an instant. Mm. He showed the biggest change, especially in a, like a, like I would say like a race that I've probably seen in most stand-up. Just completely flipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good breakdown. <clears throat> I know when I first watched this series in my first time, Ryzen was my favorite. Yeah. But I guess I kind of drove away from exactly what you just broke down is that he is so strong. And even though he's weakened himself, but he's still on par. So, I mean, I guess I really like your breakdown. But to throw out another concept, um, Mukuro kind of has my interest too. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw this out there before you, break, you explain why. I'm glad you picked Mukuro. So, continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just liked how they started. Like, I started paying attention a little bit more into what her actual history was. If it's one thing that I've noticed is that the manga does explain a little bit more. So, I will be interested in what you have to explain. But just the fact that you know she's gone through a shitty bring up and and she's been chained down her entire life and it took until he to break her free of those chains and then after those chains broke like all of a sudden her i don't know demand to want to kill and destroy and want all that stuff just like s- slightly she wasn't more i guess she was kind of like a kill and want to destroy but she also wanted separate because she wanted separation did she she wanted each to have their own area so she was almost a mixture between rise and Yomi, where she basically, Ryzen believed that demons shouldn't kill humans and that we should be separated. Yomi wanted to control everything, and Makuro wanted basically a combination between the two, where she wanted demons to have the ability to kind of go between the two, which is essentially what happened, but she also wanted to, I think she wanted to be more in charge. Like, she wanted a central a central government, in quotations, of the demons, if, I, if I'm thinking this correctly. I think so, because I, I, they made note somewhere in the anime that like Makuro was more of the traditionalist. Yeah, so she wanted the demons to be in charge, but she also didn't want the demons to be basically over the humans either. But she also felt like demons should be able to eat humans if they wanted to. Right, because it's just a food source. Yeah, and so it, it's kind of one of those things where you get all three extremes, and yeah, her, her backstory is super fucked up, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. I'll break it down a little bit more in later on. And then I'm going to go with Yomi. Only for the fact of after Yusuke becomes the king of his territory and Ryzen's friend build up their power and he's like all right i abandoned everything that i thought i had wanted previously and i am truly only doing this because i want to do this and i feel like this is going to be my most this is what i truly want kind of thing Mm -hmm. so when he fights yusuke in that demon tournament arc and he literally takes a punch from yusuke because he's like i just kind of wanted to get punched in the face i don't know why 
I, I thought that was, I really enjoyed the development that Yomi had, where he was so, tr- so strategic and so like, I want to take over the world to, all right, now literally all I want to do is see who is stronger between me and everybody else. And I think that's kind of like what made Yomi my second favorite is that like in a roundabout rate, Yusuke brought out the child in him mm-hmm. and it showed him it was more important than just having domination and control. I thought the tournament was really good. You got a little comedic relief because they talk about how many fighters there are going on and so you're like, alright, Yusuke, so so there's going to be 49 fighters per category, so that means there's going to be 87 fighters, 149. Okay. <laughs> With a remainder of three. I'm like, no, you're way off. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was funny. I was very happy to see that Team Karama brought back in Toya and Jin, Chu, Rinku, and Shishi Wakamoru. Mm-hmm. I was bringing back some good Dark World tur- yeah, the Dark World Tournament uh, characters, and I liked how all of them went through Genkai's training <laughs> and complained about all that fun stuff. And then their their spirit level went from, I think it was like 100,000 to 500,000, their demonic energy. Oh, no, no, that's way too high, because Yusuke was at 200,000. So they were... They finished all around 120,000. Okay, that's, yeah. it was... Like they were around like 50,000 and then went up to about 120. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Yep, yep. Because that's why the second in command of Yomi got put down because he's like, well, you're the second highest and nobody else is even near you. But he brought in, uh, Karama brought in six and they're all stronger than your entire arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose. Yeah, it was, it was great. I thought the manipulation that you saw in the beginning of the series, it's, I always remember the, that funny meme where they talk about how Karama, if Karama can call his mother from the demon world, your boyfriend can call you back or something along those lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, or I've seen like a, val- not a Valentine's Day, but like a Mother's Day uh-huh. meme of that too. If Karama can call his mom from demon world, you can call your mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. And then you get backstory stuff. So you see um, Shiguri, which was uh, one of Morocco's lower bodyguards fighting Hie and you get backstory on Hie. That was that was awesome seeing him talking about uh, his Chikan implantation. Mm. One thing I was gonna say, quick pin on that one. The guy who puts the implantation. If you were to take earlier footage from earlier in the series of Hiei getting the Jigan and who Shiguri is now, like, those two images don't match up. I thought that when I was watching, I was like, I don't remember that hanging from your ears or half the mouth brings nothing. I'm like, this don't match. In fact, I'm pretty sure he was masked and, like, looked more surgical. More like a doctor, kind of like a Kamiya. Yeah. So, it's kind of funny that they went in that direction, but... So, the thing is, if you were to watch this back as if you were watching it in the 90s, you were watching one episode a week, right? You would have never remembered that. No, that, no, doctor... that would have been what months, <laughs> yeah, months difference, if not more than that, because that's got to be at least a fifty-some episode difference, because that had to have happened during the Spirit Detective. Well, I think saga. the anime came out from like ninety-six to two thousand two, so it was years. It's definitely, it's definitely a few years. So yeah, I mean, me watching it in a month, I could catch that kind of <laughs> stuff, but compared to someone watching it like real time, you're never gonna exactly. catch that. You're yeah, not gonna remember. You'll remember the idea that he was giving it to it by somebody. But yeah, just to be nitpicky about it. That's the one thing like I kind of found funny in a way is that he's in like other animes, instead of just fighting someone random, he's fighting his doctor in a way. (laughs) He's literally fighting the person that performs surgery on him. But it's also the person who taught him how to use his sword correctly. That's true. Yeah, so he's also his teacher. Exactly. Like, it's not every day in an anime you get to see them fight somebody who 
kind of was like a big stepping stone in their life. One thing I don't remember in the anime, I've watched this a bunch, but I still can't remember. Do they talk about what EA started as? Like what class demon EA started as before the Jagan? Yes. Or before the Jagan, no. I don't think so, but they touched base on what power level he was before the Dark Tournament, and then he was like C class. Or no, I think they were what upper D or lower C. And then before after after the Dark Tournament, they were all or Krama and him were lower B. And then I'm after. assuming I'm assuming they were near S tier at the start of the Three Kings because I mean he took care of 500 A class demons like it was nothing. Right. And then you put that in a retrospect, he took care of 500 A class demons like they were ants on a sidewalk. And Tagoro was a B plus class. <laughs> like exactly. You put that in a retrospect, it's like he quit. Like him, he ain't now could have just wiped the floor with Tagoro like he was nothing. Um, yep. Which is insane because that's like only like in, in the show wise, it was only a month's difference between. Uh, between, yeah, but six months difference between the two, or between those Dark Tournament and then the, the Three Kings saga. Yep. So the reason why I ask is because I know in the manga, he explicitly says what uh, Hiei is, and I'm just going to throw it out there now because relevant to what we're talking about. So Hiei started as an A-class demon before his Jigong. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So Hiei was an A-class demon. He got bumped down to a D-class demon. He, he Shiguri talks about how it's essentially a rebirth instead Instead of a procedure and got dropped down to a D-class demon. That's because, like, yeah, like, in the anime, when you get the Jagan, it literally drains all your demonic energy, and you have to rebuild it. That's why it's like, if you go in the woods now, you're gonna die. Let me teach you how to show you how to use your sword. Right. And so that, yep. that kind of makes sense of why he dropped down classes, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming it just took that long to rebuild, and that makes sense of why he probably is at an S-class demon taking care of A-class demons. Like, it's nothing. It's because he was that, adding in the Jagan and the Darkness Flame just makes him tears above where he was before he even right. started. I think at the Three Kings arc, or towards the end of the Three Kings arc, I think, I believe Hie was probably on par slightly below Sensui. So a, a lower S class is what I believe at the end of the Three Kings arc is what Hie turned into. Uh, during the fight with Shiguri, I, he was probably an A plus class. So just a slight distinction between the two. Like if you would have fought Shiguri after, or excuse me, if you would have fought Sensui after he went through all that six month of training with in Makuro's dungeon is probably the best way to say it. Not entirely sure what it was. I believe he would have lost to Sensui because his power level just wasn't white. Yeah. And that's the one thing like I kind of realized like that everybody had a big power jump but like throughout the entire show Yusuke, Hiei, and Kurama were usually all around the same power. Kurama was usually a little weaker but he also had the higher thought process. He could use that little bit of difference in power to be able to literally manipulate the battle in his into his favor. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the Three Kings saga, and then you got Kurama, who's topping out in Yoko form at 150, and then you got Yusuke walking into a building at 200k plus. Yep. And he, that's not even powering up yet to keep on par with someone like Yomi, which I did like a little bit of research, who's at like 1.5 million, uh-huh. like, which is absolutely insane. Oh, yeah, because as soon as he burst into Mazaku, he it must spikes. have definitely got a huge power boost out of that. Um, one thing they talk about, this is another thing straight from the manga, is during the beginning of the Yomi and Yusuke fight is that Yusuke is closer in power level to Shura than he is to Yomi. Right. And even then, I don't even think Yusuke would have been able to handle Shura because I think Shura was above Yusuke. Uh, they were they were on par, but the fighting experience was going to be the biggest thing. And 
that's where Yusuke would have been able to get that upper edge is because he has that experience. And, like, Kuobar and everybody's been saying, he's got that, like, bullheadedness, somehow ass pull of a way to be able to just pull every fight out because he just figures it out as he fights. And that's what makes Yusuke dangerous. Goes in with no plan, but still can figure it out as he's going. Yep. One thing I really want to talk about is Yusuke's respect for Ryzen after everything happened. Because when you start the Three Kings saga, he had zero respect, thought of him as a horrible person, didn't even want to even mention the fact that he was his ancestor. And by the end, after he died in training and realizing the influence he had on all the people around him, especially when all of his past friends came in, and especially like the giant power-up that sent the power level off the scales, he finally learned the respect Ryzen as his daddy. I mean, he started calling him dad. He started showing them the respect as a child would their father. It was a big character change for Yusuke because I never thought I would have seen him take that kind of an emotional flip. In the anime, it seems fast, but in like world of the anime, it was a year difference. So I can see that, but at the same time, that's a huge character change, which is a huge building point in who he was because Ryzen is the reason why he taught him to love Keiko a lot more and to cherish her over who she is over like his priorities. And if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, because they're both essentially suckers for love or however yep. they framed it. I, I'll just say it's more of, instead of just real, like, hey, it was that final straw you use Kate needed. It's like, you need to put the one you love for before everything else. Mm-hmm. And up till then, you can tell, because he's in the demon world, use case still put fighting, being stronger, pushing his limits before, in this sense, Keiko. And he needed to relearn what was truly important to him. Yeah, that, that's a huge one. I, I would definitely agree. I, I enjoyed seeing that happen in the anime. Yeah. So one real question that I have for you guys. Can you guys count how many times shotgun in the entire series? So, I know Shotgun was used once that wasn't used K, if I can remember correctly, when Genkai used it on the ship and literally knocked everybody off in one shot. Okay, so are you well, talking about I'm shotgun talking about or Yusuke? Yusuke's shotgun. So okay. just Yusuke? Just Yusuke. Okay, I got... I know he used a... Three on my mind right now. Okay. I can think of... I can really only think of two, because I knew... I know he used one of the very beginning shortly after he did training when he's versing the... Uh, the possessed taken over by the bugs. I just call them zombies. The zombies. Yep. And then I know he used one in the dark tournament. No. He never used one in the dark tournament. What am I thinking of? He used one in the hallway with the speed demon, with the... Uh, triad. That's right. They ran down the hall, turned around, Mm -hmm. and then shot it down the hall to be able to cover the entire hall. Okay, I remember. So that, the zombies... And then he did use one in the the very end against Yomi. He didn't yell shotgun, but it was definitely a shotgun. That's that's what I'm saying. Okay, I can can go with three, but I can't recall anything more, because if we're not counting Genkai, I'm not going to count the one on the ship then, because he would zonked out for the entire ship. That's that's where I'm at. So we're at three in the anime, right? Yeah. So in the the manga, it is you more times. So he does it four times. So he does it against the the humans that are being possessed by the Makai insects in the Saint Beast Arc. He does it against that demon triad, the the speedster guy. Yep. Kind of like his name. He does it against Jin. So that attack that he uses against really. Jin. So he does he uses he uses the spirit wave or, or the spirit wave to help stop Jin. But then he uses shotgun in a close range to punch him. So he okay. Because I remember in the anime, he used spirit gun to go into the tornado to kind of like 
well, forced. Well, that was a different time. This is spirit. So he uses the his spirit gun. He shoots it at Jin, and Jin basically punches it up so it saves. Takes the blast and goes straight up. But so was, I know that was kind of like the sacrificial. Uh, if I'm going out, we're going out. With exactly. Him. But there was a separate time where Yusuke used a spirit wave technique, stopped Jin's hand, tornado fist with one hand. Yeah, that's right. When he grabbed and it. then he basic in the anime sense, he just gave like an explosive blow. Yeah. But what Matt is saying is that explosive blow was actually shotgun in the, in the manga. Yep. Okay. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. So it was just that little bit of a tweak for the yeah. anime. So they just gave the spirit wave a little bit more of an emphasis right there at that point. Yep. Okay. And then the last time, he actually uses it against Sniper when he shoots up all those knives. Oh, really? Yeah. So he doesn't just... Was that in the anime? Did he actually... No, because in the anime, he had pretty sure he started... Catching like, them all. Catching... Yeah. No, he caught two. He caught the last two that were going after him because they passed him and came back and he turned around he, and caught he, like, them both. Punches them? But he, like, he was like punching them or like karate chopping them out of the air. Yep. But then he caught the last two because they were yeah. going for his heart and I think one other one. And he, well, they were they just, just going towards all the, all yeah, the all targets. targets. So, yeah, those are the But I can stuff. see where shotgun would be imposed in that. It makes way more sense to do it then. Than... I th- like, I thought multiple times during, like, his encounter with Sniper that he was going to use it with the leaves and stuff like that because it covers such a wide range yep, sure. that you can take care of anything coming. Yep. So yeah. those are the the four times he used it in the manga. And it's it's crazy to think that we, we've seen it enough that we can go back and count how many times he's in it. <laughs> but it, it's funny because the first time you see it, you're like, oh, man, this is going to be a great attack. And then he just... Never used Yeah, it's so rare. <laughs> like you're waiting for it, but hey, the good old trusty spirit gun just does the trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do we have any anything else we want to talk about before we get into the manga mention? Um I, I don't can know. throw in a little fun fact, that's about it. Sure, what kind of fun facts so did you come a little across? fun fact that I'm pretty sure most of the fan base will know is that uh Koenma's name is actually a pun in itself okay. as it's called ruler of hell, because Enmun, I think it's uh is it Hindi or is it Buddhist that it, Enma stands for ruler of hell? So oh, Ko Enma <laughs> is yeah. a pun on Ko ruler of hell. Yeah, because we have King Enma and then Ko Enma, so yeah, makes yeah. sense. I guess let's get into this uh, manga mentions then. Nani? For anybody that's listening, the anime is either 18 books or 175 chapters. Fun times. As our listeners know, I like to go chronologically from the beginning of the series to the end of the series. So we're going to go all the way back to our spirit detective arc. And one thing that you find out is Yusuke's mom is 29 when Yusuke dies the first time. So, I mean, she got pregnant at 15 years old. Or, well, 14 or 15. She She was 14 years old. So one thing that you can imply with that is her career field in which she was the type of individual that she was, what she did. And she was one of those women of the evening. Made a lot of quick cash. So that that was her career. She worked with the Yakuza. Mm. And that is going to be something that is important when it comes to how Yusuke gets through certain aspects of his life when he moves forward. But just to kind of continue on, um, when Yusuke dies, he is not allowed to talk to his loved ones. So it's at this point, it is literally just his mother and Keiko that he is not allowed to interact with after he's died. So what happens is they, the egg is there, but it's not the most critical thing when he gets revived. So essentially what Yusuke has to do is he has to produce enough good spiritual energy to be able to revive himself. The egg doesn't have anything to do with the 
that trial that he has where if the egg hatches, it's going to chop off his head and then he's going to die forever or it's going to help him get revived. That egg doesn't do anything. Yusuke just goes around trying to store good energy in order to be able to come back alive. Okay. So it was more like a ploy in the anime to just kind of like give him a push to like, hey, try to be better. It, it was one of those things where it was kind of a way to help push through because in the in the manga, he has to go through all these trials to do things in order to help him revive. So it's just one way to go from, all right, you're dead. You have to do this. All right, you're going to use this to help save Keiko to, all right, this is how you're going to serve. This is how you're going to get revived. So it's, it's almost a time skip kind of thing where you can just kind of skip through. I don't want to say not important details, but it's just one of those, yeah, it's just a way to get through faster in the end. Uh, because when you, in the manga, you see Yusuke helping these individuals, like, you see this boy has this dog that goes with him everywhere, and it's kind of, as we could put it, as his emotional support dog in the 90s and 80s. That wasn't really a thing, but it was this little kid's dog that died, and this kid got picked on, and Yusuke was able to help this kid kind of grow up a spine or a backbone, and be able to stick up for himself, and that was just one of the... Tr- one of the things Yusuke did to be a good Samaritan, per se. And, like I said, it was just one of those things that he did while he was dead in order to have enough good karma within himself for a lot, to be able to grow up. He helps a earthbound spirit move on. Basically, she was in this house and she couldn't move on, so Yusuke comes around and um, in the beginning, uh, it's the girl who... The small blue-haired girl? The small blue-haired girl. The girl on the blank on her name. Yeah, I'm afraid to uh, Sayaka. That's who it is. Yep, that's right. So he helps Sayaka move on, and eventually she comes back, which I'll talk about now in a little bit. One thing you see is Yusuke helps a dying old man find peace before he dies. Basically, this man's entire family died before him. He just became this cynical old man, hated everybody, and this uh, spirit fox or spirit raccoon, excuse me, or this raccoon, Yusuke was able to kind of help possess in order to become this the, the grandson of the old man and turn this raccoon into the grandson and basically give this man his dying wish, which was spending time with the grandson. Eventually, the raccoon gets found out and the old the grandfather just doesn't care. He's like, I just appreciated the fact that someone was willing to put in the time and effort and help me be happy and see my family. So it's just kind of, you see kind of a softer side of Yusuke where it's like, hey, I'm going to help this old guy not be just angry all the time. One crazy thing is that there is, uh, it's once a month, Yusuke can repossess his body. Really? So he can repossess his body, but he cannot talk to Keiko or his mother, Asuka. Interesting. Okay, so what does he do? Basically, he just kind of goes around and be in in Yusuke. (laughs) One thing that he does is Keiko gets mixed up with some thugs. I know it's really terrible, especially for me talking about the talking about the manga, but I'm not 100% sure how she gets mixed up with thugs. I just remember that she kind of, oh, she she's like helping this girl, and then they kidnap Keiko. So Yusuke just beats up everybody within the thug organization and drag, or carries an unconscious quotations, unconscious Keiko back to their house, because Yusuke cannot interact with Keiko. So he would essentially get in trouble if they thought that Keiko knew that uh, he was 
Zellweger. Okay. And while that whole situation, while he is bringing Keiko back to her house, Kuwabara runs into Yusuke and I was like, hey, what the fuck's going on right now? Like, I thought you were dead. And so Yusuke explains the whole situation to Kuwabara. As we know, Kuwabara is spiritually aware, so he understands that spirits are a thing. So for hmm. Kuwabara to, like, it's not out of the realm for Kuwabara to just accept that a spirit could take over a body. So Kuwabara's like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. That's crazy different. That would have been really interesting to see. It would have been interesting to see, but I it doesn't bother me that in the beginning you don't see that. Right. It, it's just one of those things where, yeah, I would have loved to see it, but going through the show so much, it's like, cool, great, great extra information. It doesn't change the storyline in a whole, uh, drastically in any sort of way. Um, so that and you see Sayaka later on. One of the things that Yusuke promised to help her move on was that she wanted somebody to basically, she wanted a friend. She wanted something that she played with all the time. So Yusuke essentially became the older brother to her and would play with her all the time. And this is the same blue hair girl that was taking notes on whether Sayaka. Yusuke was yep. good enough to come back or not? Yep. Okay. She calls him her big brother. When she finally moves on into the spirit world, she tells Yusuke that him and Keiko are going to have two kids, one of each, one boy and one girl. Interesting. So one thing that's different is Yusuke uses all of his good energy to help save Keiko in the burning building. Okay. And uh, Kuenma takes that, but he also requires payment. So the payment that Kuenma needed was Keiko's hair. So that's why she shaved, that's why she cut her hair off, was because Kuenma essentially took her hair, and that's why she has that haircut. Interesting. So it's just some hair, not buzz cut hair? It was one of those things where it's, um, he's like, hey, I need a sack. Essentially, I need a, a sacrifice from the individual that you're saving. And the sacrifice was most of her hair. That sounds like uh, Dead Man Wonderland, where that one chick needed to, all she, all her sacrifice was, or not a sacrifice, but her punishment was just a haircut. Yep. Not. <laughs> yep. Uh, Shizuru, so Cool Bar's sister, is 17. Okay. Definitely really thought she was a lot older. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely post. More closest to Yusuke's mom's age. Well, they did make mention that it was older sister. And we're to assume that Cool Bar was 14. I would say maybe around 20. 17 would make sense because usually, typically, families are close in age differences, but the way she was acting and the responsibilities she had, she came smoking. She came across as a 20-year-old to me, but that's by today's standards, so... 80s, 90s standards. Right. You do see Yusuke smoking and swearing. Yep. So there was no egg to revitalize Yusuke. During the fire, Koenma used that as an opportunity to evaluate Yusuke's heart. During this evaluation, he found out that Yusuke was one that acts before his brain can think, thus making it impossible to truly evaluate Yusuke as a, a spiritual individual, which is the reason why Koenma deemed Yusuke needing to be back in his body so that he could truly evaluate Yusuke as an individual, just because Yusuke is a super hard-ass acting person that doesn't necessarily mean that is who he is as a person. Okay. Once Yusuke gets revived, uh, Asuka convinces the school by surrounding the school with a bunch of cars from Yakuza. So basically, she intimidates the principal to allow for Yusuke to come back to school. That's funny. Using the <laughs> Yakuza. That's one way to get it done. <laughs> So, during the Genkai tournament, she talks about how Kuwabara should be able to use spirit weapons and curses in the future. So, basically, you see Genkai dictating that because of... 
Kuwabara's spiritual pressure, he will be able to use weapons in the future. I, I think they, I think they did touch upon that. I, th- I think anime. she makes a, like a very small comment. It's in- so subtle, but because I watched it twenty times, I caught it. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, you should I never be able to materialize really anything about it. Like her dropping hints that he can use weapons or curses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you never see Genkai call Yusuke Dimwit. Kind of unfortunate. It's comedic. It's comedic in the anime. It's unfortunate in the manga. Yeah, yeah, definitely grew attached to Genkai calling him a dimwit. Uh, you only see him call her an old hag like a couple times instead of almost throughout the entire series. Yeah, like as if it was her name. Yeah, <laughs> Grandma. Um, Genkai's initial training was two weeks long. Initial, like after the rando, after the uh, rando tournament, Genkai tournament. Yep, yeah, her training was two weeks. Hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the Hiei battle with Siryu was very short. To put it in perspective, I don't remember if I talked about this at all. The ending of the battle in the anime is the entire battle in the manga. So exceedingly short. When Chiguro meets with Yusuke after that fight at Churukane's compound, he meets Yusuke outside the stolen school. So he essentially confronts Yusuke at school. At his school. And it wasn't inside that parking lot where he destroyed it? Car, that uh, parking garage? Yep, not the perfect match. Atsuka went to the Dark Tournament. If you watch the opening credits, you notice how there are the three women at the ending of the credit scene. Or not the credit scene, it's the opening. It's, you see uh, Yusuke's mom, Kobar's sister, and then Keiko. I think you see both times. Or, no, it's um, Yukina. That's who you see. So you see the four women. Oh, Yusuke's mom's part of that? Yusuke's mom is a part of that. Damn, I guess I... I never really paid attention. No. Because after, like, listening to the intro every once in a while, unless I was, like, busy during the intro... You should just kind of like jump to it to try to keep going through episodes as fast as I could. Yep. So Yusuke's mom is in that. The next time you go through watching the series, okay, watch the opening once. You'd be like, oh, fuck, you're right. That is that is his mom. So yes, uh, his mother was at the tournament. Okay. Didn't really do anything. No no real role in the tournament. She was just there. You know, I wonder like if the reason why she was like, just kind of like throwing this idea out there that if the reason why like she was kind of introduced into the beginning is because like you said in, in the start, she was kind of of like dealing with the yakuza just because that's like kind of what you had to do like what mm-hmm. if um i can't i'm spacing on his name leader team to girl uh the owner um uh, <sighs> sakio. sakio what if he was also part owner of yakuza i could like i could see like there being some sort of relation because he was like a like a gangbanger when he was younger mm-hmm. and that's how he rose to power was gambling and money and, and stuff like that so i wonder if there's like some sort of related tie that she was incorporated in the intro they just never filled it in in the anime i'm sure they could have made that kind of, if he wanted to they could have made some kind of connection like maybe that's where he started was the yakuza maybe uh, it's just... like a, like i said it's like a long reach yeah it was just like a quick idea what makes Quenwen doesn't have his theatrical entrance when the Chiguro fight happens. Quenwen just kind of shows up. So um, Chiguro starts his fight with Yusuke at 80% power. Right away? Yep. Okay. Um, because basically he says, I fought Genkai at this power, so you, I should be able to fight you at this power. And then at the end, when Chiguro says, this is truly my 100% power, it is, Chiguro calls that 120% of his power. So he calls it in basically like 
like a, I'm going to oh, beyond what what 100%. Right. So I guess that's where I've seen all those memes and whatnot. In fact, I have his, I have his 120% <laughs> card right here. I just want to yep. confirm whether they call that one 120%. What the hell is he? Oh, no. Oh, not far enough. No, I got the 120% card, but he's just Younger Tagoro Transformed. That's all it's called. Yep. Yeah, so his ultimate trans- transformation, he calls 120% of his power instead of, well, that was actually eight, what I said was 100 was actually 80, and here's truly 100% of my power. No, like that very end moment where he fights Yusuke at 100% of his power, he deems 120% of his power. Okay. Koenma freezes Genkai, so that's how he preserves Genkai. Interesting. Um, in order to bring her back to life. And he does that because Toguro tells him. He's like, hey, you might want to freeze Genkai because you just never know what's going to happen at the end of the tournament. Right. You see, after the tournament, Yusuke it makes it, basically he graduates from his second year class in middle school. He gets, he moves on in school. Not really something super important. So, you remember the compound that Sakio, excuse me, that Sensui breaks into and sees all the terrible acts by humans. Where Chapter Black was basically taking place. Basically, yeah. yeah. So, you want to take a guess on who the leader of that group was? Turukune? Not Turukune. I was going to say Sakio. It was Sakio. Mainly because think, he just did said Did they mention it in the anime that it was Sakio? Uh, uh, I don't no, know. They never, they never mentioned that it's Sakio and that basically what causes um, Sensui to go crazy, The that compound is Sakio's compound. So they call him the leader of the Black Club. The Black Black Club. The Black Black Club. So Because it was Tarukane who was the leader. Not So not the Black Black Club. That was the gambling oh, group. Yep, good the point. The Black Club was a group of humans that enslaved demons to do their bidding. Okay. And that's where like the torturing and demons and everything else came in that torturing and ended up seeing. basically anything else that you can think of as far as what evil people do to other objects in that in that sense sure then as you say asks the world is coming to an end and gave you and you get oh so um in the anime this was one of the questions that i thought of it's towards the end the world is coming to an end and you have one half hour to watch one show before it ends what would you watch might be a Yuyak show. I mean, <laughs> just because this is my favorite show, but... Yeah. Um, I don't know, that's that's a rough question, because I like a bunch of different animes, but like biggest one is like Naruto during the war arc for me. Yeah, um, so it's good old philosophical... Yusuke going on right there. And then when Sensui blows up part of the building, the person that basically takes care of the cops, so you hear the cops coming in the episode, it's uh, Yusuke's mom. And she does, she uses her Yakuza connections in order to stop the cops from asking too many questions about what's going on. Hmm. Like, what happened? Okay. One thing that the manga specifically says is that the Mafuken specializes in demon energy. So I felt like that was foreshadowing of the Mafuken not working towards Sensui's sacred energy because he didn't have demon energy. He had sacred energy. So there is a difference between the two. Right. So I felt like that was kind of foreshadowing. The phrasing was foreshadowing into work. You knowing that the Mafuken wasn't going to... That was kind of like um, at the end of the Three Kings saga with Yomi's barrier. It was a demon barrier to protect all demon energy, but Yusuke was shooting spirit energy with his demon energy to be able to break through it and eventually get to it. Yep. And 
then the Hie and Yusuke fight. So after Hie... Was that after they killed Sniper? Yep, after they killed Sniper and Hie starts attacking Yusuke, that fight lasts for 12 minutes. It's kind of funny because they, they fight for a little bit, and then it says 12 minutes later, and then it, they have their conversation. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, in the anime, it wasn't very long. It was a no. pretty quick fight. I was going to say, I pulled like a SpongeBob 12 minutes later. <laughs> you see Keiko smoke for the first time. Whoa, really? Okay. Yep, and, and it's funny because she does what most people do when they start smoking, and she's like... <laughs> What? This is gross. How do you do this? Got a cough on attack. And you see that happen after, while Yusuke tells her that he is going to go to the uh, demon world. Oh, when they're sitting on that embankment, Yusuke lights a cigarette. Oh, before then, he ended up going to their family restaurant? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing that they never talk about, so the Hiroseki stone that Makuro has, that is one of the first things that helps eliminate all of her anger. So apparently they talk about how that Hiroseki stone has the ability to just kind of calm individuals. So this is this is the stone that Yukina and Hiei were born with? Yep. Yeah, that okay. was made by their mother. Yep. So Makuro has Hiei's. And during that flashback, they talk about how, with Hiei's flashback, they talk about how he just kind of would wear it and do all these other things. In the manga, he talks about how that would be, that was the only thing that would bring him any sense of joy. They never really talk about how he'd use it to kind of lure out other demons. Mm -hmm. He would use it to kind of help calm and bring him happiness. Okay. And Makuro had it inside of her stomach, and she talks about how it was something that would help bring her... It, it was like, after she got it, it started all of her anger that she had within her just started going away. Okay. Because I know they touched pretty much base on that in the anime, but most of that besides, like, the joy and happiness with Hiei. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of figure that kind of was there due to the fact that he found peace and happiness in killing other things, mm-hmm. and then that's what that brought to him. They just never, like, physically said. Yep. That's what it did. Yep. And it was one of those things where you could you could almost take it as, well, because that's his stone, that that's how he feels, but you, now you're seeing multiple people getting joy and happiness off of that stone. Before the Dark Tournament, Kurama talks about how Yoko was starting to take over his body in the human world. Already? Okay. Yeah, the Demon World Tournament. Uh, Yoko was starting to take over, and so that's why it's super important in the anime where Kurama talks talks about how he no longer he no longer wants to associate with Yoko because Kurama is afraid that one day all the anger and resentment Yoko has towards essentially everybody is gonna come out and Yoko is gonna take over Kurama and just start killing everybody. And that's why you see him transform into Yoko and then fight for a little bit and then transform back and said he's done with Yoko for good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that that's one huge thing that you learn is that it's not just some random thing. Kurama is feeling that even in the human world. Okay. So at the last conversation between Yusuke and Ryzen, Ryzen tells Yusuke that he has gone undergone a rapid evolution because Ryzen asks Yusuke, it's like, do you have any desire for human flesh? And Yusuke's like, no. It's like, well, Yusuke's a demon at this point, right? So he should have, especially being a direct descendant of a Mazaku, who is a true demon, that he should have some desire for human flesh. So he tells Yusuke that he has had an evolutionary shift into not wanting human. Okay. Which is super important, because as we find out later, that demons cannot eat human. I wonder if that came from... 
with like Yusuke unlocking his spirit energy first and the Mazuku staying hidden away longer. Because I, if that Mazuku energy would have came forward when he was younger, I have a feeling it might have flipped. Maybe. I would have thought, my initial thought was it's because he's half human, half demon to begin with. So I took it more of the evolutionary tree shifted because one, it took so long and two, it almost knew what was happening to Bryce. Like it can mutate because it basically kept mutating every generation and it can mutate in order to become what was needed to become at whatever generation it broke for you. Because I think it went through what, 30 30 generations? It was like 30 30 Uh, something. It was a lot. Yeah, that uh, a thousand years spell, all I can tell you. Because he is a direct descendant from the woman that Ryzen falls in love with. During the preliminary battle of the Demon World Tournament, the fighters have rings around their neck, and they talk about two ways in which they can win. They can either rip off the heads of their opponents, or they can make the fighters surrender and give them a five-digit code to basically take off the ring on their neck. Huh. So you have to remove the ring by one way, either get them to talk or yep. get them headless. One thing, as I mentioned earlier, is that the anime does a very good job of getting darker as the series progresses. In the manga, it manipulates that by a lot. It gets a lot darker by the, as the series progresses. You see uh, Chu trying to lure uh, Natsumi, who was one of Rising friends, after he had lost in the preliminary round, which I know you see that in the manga, but you'll, it's important later on that I talk about it now. Now I'll talk to you guys about it. So the fight between Yusuke and Yomi is a little bit different in the manga. It's actually a lot different in the manga. Basically, you kind of see him fighting for a little bit, and then it, like, time skips to Kurama and Kuwabara talking to each other. And Yusuke comes along and is, like, answering these questions that Kurama and Yusuke, or Kurama and Kuwabara are having. And then eventually they're like, wait a second, and turn around and there's Yusuke behind them. So that's how Yusuke comes back from the demon world. Okay. Just kind Instead of, of him walking up behind Keiko. Yep. He just kind of appears, but behind Kurama and Kuwabara, and he talks about the demon world tournament. So Yusuke comes back after the Demon World Tournament has concluded. Not like a year later? I know it was some time later because I know in the so anime Karama said he was bouncing back and forth for a couple months. It was three years. Yusuke came back at a three-year mark. Yusuke and the manga came back at a year and a half. So it was essentially six months of training before the tournament. The ter- tournament happened three months later after Ryzen died. Or they call it 100 days. 100 days after Ryzen dies. And then the tournament lasts for so long. But the moment in which Yusuke left to the moment in which Yusuke returned was a year and a half. See, but if I can remember correctly, I don't think he was gone for the full three years in the anime because Kuwabara was saying something about how if he sticks to his three-year plan, they're not going to see him for a while. And um, he ended up coming back later that episode. I think it was slightly earlier. I, I, I think it was I think it was around two years. Because uh, Kuwabara was talking about that if it is the three-year plan, they're not going to see him for a while. Um, might be getting my timelines a little screwed up. I believe you guys, just in the manga, it's a year and a half. It's definitely shorter than what the anime is. Yep. One big thing is that the new leader of the spirit world is Gwenla. He he basically makes a coup over his father because he finds out that his father would brainwash lower demons to kill humans to manipulate the statistics in which demons were actually attacking humans. Wow. 
So he That's was good to know. He was making a they call it a total totalitarian dictatorship over the worlds. Interesting. Okay. And basically, what happens is after the sensory arc, Kolema starts looking into all of these things that are happening as far as demons attacking humans and everything, and he notices some abnormalities in what was written down and what the situations were actually occurring. So. Wenma basically locks his father in jail. And that big ass guy in jail? <laughs> and takes over ruling of the demon world. Or not the demon world, the spirit world. Okay. And that is how the barrier between the two worlds was dissolved. Okay. Was through Wenma. It was ultimately through Kwema, but like, was Enki still the. So, so. Enki did win the tournament. His rule that they need to not attack humans was still a thing, but the only reason why him making that rule even mattered, because if you remember the SDS where you put up the barrier, yep. the only reason why that rule even mattered was because of Kulema okay. and the elimination of barrier between the two worlds. You see Kulabar's death. Wow, okay. Well, that's one thing I kind of noticed on Set Horizon. You don't really see a lot of father figures. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then you see Yukina come into the human world. So Yusuke brings Yukina back with him to the human world. And Yukina lives with, lives at the Kuobar house. Oh, not with Genkai? No, because Kuobar's dad is also another person that has spiritual power. Okay. Uh, you don't. You have absolutely no idea what he actually does. You just know that he can sense spirit, spiritual power, and then you see Yukina dressed and looking like a normal human. Hmm. So okay. she's dressed in normal clothes. Her hairstyle is like a normal human. She looks a little different. They make a joke about how Kulbar is going to fail school because now Yukina's back. Right. You find out that Yusuke does graduate middle school thanks to his mother, of course. <laughs> Weird, right? After he graduates middle school, he opens up a ramen stand, shop, whatever you want to call it, that also moonlights as a spirit detective agency. So he does a lot of spiritual cases. So basically, he is the spirit detective 2.0. Okay. Start his own business. Yeah. I guess I can see where that doesn't make sense with the anime, because in the anime, he's no longer allowed to be a spirit detective ever. But then again, I guess in the manga, it'll change with Koema taking lead. Yep, exactly. You see Kodo, Juri, and then you see Ruka, who was the announcer for the Demon World tournament. It was so, Kodo. So it was Kodo, but in the manga... You had a new announcer, and that was Ruka. Wasn't Ruka the nurse in the anime? That's what I was going to say. Ruka, yeah. She was the nurse during the uh, Rishio fights, wasn't it? It is somebody different. Yusuke uses them as, like, you know, the, the cat girl cafes? Mm. Yeah. Basically, he uses them as the same thing. <laughs> She's their mascots. <laughs> Essentially. But he uses them, It's he's like, $1,000 for a signature or five grand to shake their hand. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Quick money. <laughs> Learning from his mother. Weird, right? You see Keiko ask Yusuke for a job at her all girls school. And so she makes Yusuke dress up as a girl to help solve this problem. And eventually he asks Kurama for help. And Kurama's basically like, no, fuck that. Because when Kuobara <laughs> and Kurama are talking, some of Kuobara's classmates are like, oh, is that your girlfriend? So like what happens in the yeah. in the manga, but then you see Kurama being all kind of butthurt about the whole situation. <laughs> you can see his face after that scene happened. He's like, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> One of the 
probably most fucked up things. If they correlate with each other. You find out what actually happened to Morocco as a child. It's super fucked up. Not even going to talk about it. So what Hie does is he, as a gift, a birthday present to uh, Makuro, excuse me, Makuro, he uses a parasite plant on her slave owner that brings him in a half-life state, and so he can feel pain, but he will never die. Okay. And so torture. gifts him to Makuro as a present, basically like, you can torture him forever, or you can chop off his head, I really don't care. And it's basically Kia's way to say happy birthday. And it's super fucked up because he, as he's talking about the present, he stabs the guy and then he's like, basically says, you can do whatever you want to him and he'll just keep regenerating forever. And you see that the, the stab wound, the guy's asking for him to kill him and then the stab wound heals up. Hmm. Like I said, super dark, super fucked up. Not going to go into Makuro's backstory. You see Natsumi and Chu sparring, which is why I brought it up earlier. So they're sparring now, and Chu loses, and he's like, I'm going to get strong. Promise I'm going to get strong within that, stronger than you within that year. And Natsumi and her brother are talking, and he's like, well, aren't you ever going to go out with him? And she says, no, I'm never going to go out with him. And then he basically tricks her into saying, well, we'll see what, what happens in the future. So eventually you can infer that Chu and Natsumi get together. Okay. You all also see that Riku and Sakura, the monkey chick from the Dark Tournament, that uh, Riku, the monkey chick that convinces Riku to give up in the fight so that they can date. Well, you see them sitting together, so you can infer that they're dating. They're sitting together watching Chu. One more thing is that you see Yusuke's dad. Wow, okay. It's literally one page. And basically, I think it's two pages. It's... You see Atsuko and this man talking, and then the only real comment you have is that he was like, he talks about punishing him as a kid. And it's like, oh shit, alright, well. And basically, Atsuka and him broke up, and they couldn't be together. So that's why he's not in the picture. It's because her and him aren't compatible with each other, so they're, she's a single mom. Okay. And you see Keiko going to college to become a teacher. The OVA in which they go to the spring world and drawing a blank. I think it's do or die. Maybe. It's been a minute. It's been a, it's been a minute since I watched it as well. That is canon to the manga. Okay. I'm not going to give anything away about what happens because what happens in the OVA kind of is on a cliffhanger. If you read the manga, you get the answer to that cliffhanger. I really don't want to spoil it for anybody, but Yusuke survives. The button in which he chooses has very significant, very much significance because that is Keiko's favorite color. He chooses Keiko's favorite color, which we will kind of let people just guess whichever one that is. And he survives. He does talk to Genkai. That still happens. So that is how Yusuke knows that Genkai is dead, because obviously in order for Pu to get possessed by Genkai, that means Genkai has to be dead pretty easy to infer what happened to Genkai. So Genkai already knows what happened. And then as far as the ending of the manga is concerned, it is almost identical to the ending of the anime minus Yusuke showing up at the very end. Yusuke is with them as it happens. So Yusuke knows what, what happened and all these other things. I will say I love the ending of the anime. I thought it was a good wrap-up and I just really enjoyed it. But that's everything I gotta say as far as the manga is concerned. I know it's quite a, quite a lot to say, but nothing really changed as far as the structure of the series is concerned between the anime and the manga. Right. 
There's a lot of more fun activities going on. Yep. No more side and understanding and the people's backstories that you need to learn a yep. whole lot of. Yep. I, but I gotta say, I love both. Can't wait to buy the rest of the mangas. Like physical <laughs> copies of all the mangas. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? No. I think I'm pretty wrapped up there. Okay. And that is another episode of the Anime Lounge Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate and review on any of the platforms that you are listening to. Make sure to give us a five-star review. Also, make sure to keep an eye out for our new series, the Anime Lounge Short Flights, where we're covering a popular anime series for that season on YouTube. Have a good one.